Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, for an o- forever and always, the man, the myth, my accoutrement, <laughs> Alessandro Valsi. <laughs> Say hello, Al. You like don't, that one. I sometimes Don't you want me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, sorry, that's a little inside joke between that uh, and me. It's good, though. It's good. As is most of the show. Yeah, no, that was funny. The accoutrement thing. Um, It reminded me of, did you ever see it? It honestly probably wasn't that great of a show, though it it did have its funny moments. Um, It was a couple of years ago on Comedy Central. Um, What the fuck was it called? The whole thing was was 80s. Like the whole vibe was like super 80s, like neon Mm. colors. And it was voiced by... um, It was a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it was an animated show. It was supposed to be like very Miami Vice esque, but it was like super futuristic, like lasers, like hover cars, shit like that. But everyone was dressed like they were in like Miami Vice, and all the coloration and all like the styling was like that. Hmm. And it was like Rob Lowe was the main character, and he's a co- he's a cop, and is Elizabeth Banks and um. Kate Mara and a bunch of other like famous actors and actresses, and I can't think of what the hell it was called. It sounds, it was, it sounds fun. Um, it, it was it was fun. It wasn't necessarily good. Mm. It had its moments. It I was don't have, funny. I don't really have time to watch things like that. <laughs> There's no, too I mean, much it was shit short. Stuff. It was short. It was only one season. All the episodes sure. were half hour. So all right, all right we'll, we'll quick in and out. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing Bohemian Rhapsody. A quick DC nugget. Lord of the Rings explosive alternate ending, all before diving into our flick of the week, Bad Times at the El Royale. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking Sierra Nevada Stout. Perfect. Yeah, it's a uh, short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, it's a West Coast style stout, I guess. I didn't know that was a thing. I've heard of West Coast IPAs is like a like a thing. Never heard of a West Coast style stout. Um, so I don't know what that entails. I right. suppose this bottle may tell us. Sierra Nevada Stout is a full-bodied American version of the traditional black ale. It is perfectly balanced with big roasted malt flavors and earthy whole cone hops. What's a whole cone? Is it like a type of hop or is it like a style? Of- um, so like it meaning uh, like so when I when I brew, um, I use hop pellets Okay. Um, a whole cone hop is just means like when they pluck the hop and it's and I think they may have to um, I, I forget actually whether they have to peel like a husk off of it, but it's the whole thing. It looks like a tiny little pine cone. Yeah. Um, and it's green, so that's like the whole cone. They use the whole thing right in. They don't grind it up. Um, I use pellets; they're free to dry because and like they they're just easier to transport and, and stay fresh gotcha. long term. Um, they do whole cone pellets or plugs i think which is basically the same thing as a pellet it's just a lot bigger gotcha um so you would like plop a couple of those in um the whole cone is like using the original fresh thing and they've done a decent amount of like study into whether or not it really affects flavor and aroma and all that and i think at least as far as like home brewing goes the difference is pretty negligible other than the first couple of days the aroma is a little more intense Hmm. But blind, t- blind tasting, you can't really tell the difference from what I understand. Huh. Commercially, it may be a bigger difference, but I think it really comes down more to availability. Um, I don't. You would have to use a ton of pellets for a big commercial brew. Alrighty. You want to take a sip? 
Yeah, let's uh, let's get this extra try. I like the I like the little lesson there. I, I love when you have when you have more info for me about how this stuff works. When I have beer nuggets, yeah, you have little you have little hot pellets <laughs> for me. <laughs> Cheers. That was that's that's quite good. That's uh, I would say perfectly balanced, as it says on the bottle there. Well done. I mean, I know they put that in my head, but it's it's quite nice. Very tasty. It's not super heavy or overwhelming. It's almost in the style of like a Guinness in that sense. Not that it tastes like Guinness, but the body of yeah. it is light, whereas a lot of them, especially I guess. I tend towards when I'm drinking stats, they're typically Russian Imperial stats, so they're a sure. lot heavier. Um, and Not I don't as mind smooth that as I a Guinness, like but I like it. Yeah. No, I this is I don't a... need it to be smoother, really, than this. This is tasting. Um, I mean, it's black as night, though. It's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard it called a black ale like that before, which, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I just, I've never, never heard that exact nomenclature. Right. Um, I have another little thing on the back of the uh, the bottle here. In 1980, when we were building our fledgling brewery, we needed a beer with bold flavors to test the new hand-built brew house. That first brew was a stout rich with roasted malts and earthy Holcone American hops. We liked that original stout so much, we've kept it as we've grown. Decades later, it still reminds us of that early pioneering spirit. That's pretty great. That would that would explain why it is there's no no fancy name or anything. It's just Sierra yeah. Nevada Stout. I actually appreciate that more now. <laughs> no accoutrements, if you will. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, sorry. While we were um, pouring and drinking and taking a sip there, I looked up. Um, I looked up the name of that show, and mm-hmm. it was Moonbeam City. I can't say I've ever heard of it. It was. It ran in 2015. It was ten episodes. Got canceled after the first season. Uh, but I'm going to read you the names of the main characters because they're fun. Um, Elizabeth Banks was Pizzazz Miller. Will Forte was Rad, was Rad Cunningham. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> he, he played the main rival to Rob Lowe's character, the lead character, Dazzle Novak. <laughs> Kate Mara was Chrysalis Tate. <laughs> We had, uh, I'm looking through, scrolling through the other um, names. There was a uh, Helix Salazito, Sizzle Conrad. Oh, my God. <laughs> Powers Booth played the mayor, E.O. Jackson. Uh, there was, <laughs> I think it was, yeah, it was um, Elizabeth Banks' characters, uh, Pizzazz Miller. Her two sisters were Charisma, and, Charisma and Sophistica. Oh, my God. Um, and I, I think it was... Yep, it's either his brother or her brother or her father um, was Accoutrement Miller. That's what made me think of it. <laughs> One of the characters being named Accoutrement. I just couldn't remember who it was. That's great. There's a Fulton Squib, Panache Miller, Vex Mullery. The names in this were incredible. Oh, that's right. Adam West played um, Dazzle's father, Razzle. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Actually, honestly, the show was funny. It wasn't good, but it was pretty funny. It's one of those things that if you got a couple of hours, you don't mind kicking around, not necessarily all in a row, but you could bang it out in three hours. Like, I mean, like it, it wasn't a very long-running show. <laughs> uh, I think I would have to watch that just to get to the Adam West stuff. Yeah, he, he was funny if I remember uh, correctly. It, it, the show was ridiculous. It was absolutely batshit insane. 
If it's a shouting match you want, Quahog, it's a shouting match you'll get. <laughs> the ocean, right? Was he, like, did he start screaming at the ocean? Was Or was it... No, you're right. It was the city. Was someone, yeah. <laughs> someone yelled out in pain, and he opens his window, and he starts yelling out at it. That's right. <laughs> Give me a second. I forgot to take my shirt off. I oh, appreciate that. Thank God. Let's dive right in, shall we? Uh, this We don't have a lot of stuff this week. Pretty slow, but a couple of quick things. First one here, and we're going to get in this one little little headline I came across. Now, we're not going to dive too much into it. This is the this is the DC Nugget that I mentioned before. Very quick story. We're not going to go deep into it. Here's the headline. DC moving away from Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck is a mistake. Counterpoint. It's, it's... No, it's not. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> you thought the Flash isn't going to like end up making it to theaters until like 2021? It's not going to end up making it to theaters. Probably not. I, Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Um, on a more serious note, uh, when I saw the movie for this week, there was a pretty extended trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm really interested oh, yeah, in seeing it. I, I got that too. Really looks, I mean, looks really well put together. Um, Robin Malik be- is a good actor, so I want I want to see him. I'm becoming more and more interested in the idea of it, because I honestly don't really know much about them and him. Um and they're a good band, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and it certainly, it just sounds like an interesting story, whatever the, you know, the the final details, whenever you think about Queen and, and him or whatever. It sounds like it would probably be an interesting story. You know right. I mean? At the very least, it's going to be entertaining. And when I go, like, when I go to a movie, when I go to the movies to see something like this, I'm not looking for, like, pinpoint accuracy or anything like that. I am looking to be entertained. I like the dramatization of a real story. And then all it really does for me is if there's, it brings up a couple of points that maybe I'm interested in, I'll then go back and research those things. I'm not looking yeah. to it for a point of truth. I'm looking to it for entertainment. So I have, I actually have mixed feelings about that when it comes to, I mean, I'm not really a big like documentary person, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't mind some exaggeration and some hyperbolic engaging with the material. But I really don't like when true stories like dramatically change the details. Right. I, I can agree with that. You know what I mean? And I, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but there's definitely been cases where it's like it's something that I know the material of when I see the movie. I'm like, that it's really not how it happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that sort yeah. of thing kind of irritates me. Well, again though, that's when, you know, I go into movies that are based on a true story or a, you know, entertaining biopic as not for straight up factual like viewing i sure, go to a documentary I, I, a for those things you know it's not something you would use in the school to teach someone as like their right. primary source it's just i don't know that's what i'm saying like i don't mind like if you embellish some stuff you know what i mean like yeah. but there's sometimes where like you'll see like just like wholesale like changing it's like no if the story was that good that you had to come on like then you shouldn't have to change the details you know what i right. mean no it's i i can agree i can get behind that i i hear you um, that was that's it. I don't really have much more on that particular topic. It's just that the trailer looks good, and I like the way that a lot of it was shot. Yeah, I'm um, excited to see it. Yeah, I guess I I didn't really think about the the actual makeup of the uh, the trailer itself, but yeah, no, it was cool. I I I'm struck by this. That might be the first time that I've actually seen a good like up close like image of him playing him and. It's uncanny how much he looks like him, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's eerie. Yeah, I gotta say that. I mean, I say that I like the way the trailer is put together. It is, but 
to step back for a second, it's like super generic. It's just one of those hooks that always gets me. It's almost as like it could be any trailer for any movie where it's just like swell the music to make it sound exciting. Now have somebody like throw a bunch of stuff off of a desk in anger and then <laughs> and then say, man, we flew too close to the sun. Like, like that's, that, I mean, that's just a generic trailer that's used a lot. But yeah. I, I, I still enjoy it. <laughs> I recognize it. I know that it's not super unique, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. <laughs> like, like you literally could have done that for like I mean that could have been the trailer for Spotlight, right? Like <laughs> where we have a story. Ah, oh, they're squashing the story. <laughs> Throw the stuff off the desk, and then they really get it. They they bring it home in the end. Um, but yeah, it's just I just thought that was funny. But I again the uh, the way that it was shot though, it just I I I, I appreciate a good trailer. Yes, and, we've we've talked a lot and, about trailers and about what we like and dislike in trailers on mm-hmm. the show. Um, it's, it's good to acknowledge the good, right? Because I do yeah. we do a fair amount of complaining, justifiably so, I think. For sure, and, and there's one funny thing. Uh, aside from the trailer being good, I I actually was pretty forgettable whatever else was on screen um i don't know if that was just uh, it being late and me not really caring too much and wanting to just get to the movie but the funny part was this was one of those movies that i went to go see and there were so many trailers that after like i don't know six of them i was like what are we what are we seeing here <laughs> like, I completely, like i forgot what we sat down to actually watch <laughs> It was like, uh, there was a, I don't remember what the movie that it was that they were supposed to be seeing, but there was a, the Family Guy joke about that, how all of the intro things that were the, that like are the little snippets for the production company mm-hmm. look like the start of the movie. And yeah. Peter keeps thinking the movie's starting. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, well, okay, it's just another production company. And oh, oh, oh no, no, there we go. <laughs> like, it's like too many cooks. like eight times, and it's like, oh, oh no, no. <laughs> that was great. And I it turned to Chris. I was like, what are we seeing again? He goes, that movie that nobody has any idea what it's about. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Bad times at the El Royale. Perfect, perfect. Um, that, that, you know, let's actually touch on that for a second before we're not going into the movie just yet. We've got enough stuff to talk about. But on the topic of trailers... This is one of those movies where I had no idea what the movie was about. The trailer does no justice to the story at all. And then I realized after seeing the movie, oh, you can't. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) Well, I was interested in that because there's been a lot of talk with this movie um, when it was like, you know, with some of the uh, coverage of it in in the lead up to it coming out um, about how difficult it is to get this sort of movie made because so many movies are now like either extension of a series of some sort mm-hmm. or an expanding universe or it's a remake of something or it's made off an existing ip you know what i mean whether it be a novel that's being made a new movie the first time whatever um that there's such a small window for for this sort of thing um outside of stuff that's like like Oscar bait type movies. Um, and even that, a lot of that is based on a true story or whatever. Um, and it's just interesting how like, it's kind of a throwback to even maybe 20 years ago where not that I would really call this an action movie, though there's a fair amount of action. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to get this sort of movie where there's not a lot of these types of movies that shine out as something that, cause it, it, it's hard to justify a big payroll if you don't know if you're going to get people in front of it and right. 
the nature of the movie, you can give away some of it. Um, I, I thought some of what the movie was about, but certainly not anything close to the core of what the movie was about, right, uh, mm-hmm. was in the trailers. Because it's so tied into the story itself because it's such a complex, layered situation that you can't give it away in a trailer. Otherwise, you might as well just make just release the movie as a trailer. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, what, what ends up happening now that I've seen the movie and I know what's going on, you uh, you watch the trailer and the trailer ends and you go, "What? What's the deal with all these people?" That's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. It's like when uh, <laughs> when uh, in Seinfeld they go to pitch the the show about nothing. Well, what'd you do this morning? I uh, I got up, I got ready, and I went to work. That's a show. <laughs> <laughs> But what happens? Nothing. <laughs> um, that's not at all the case with this movie. A lot, lots of stuff happened. Uh, my third, I'm, I'm going to take this last one, and then I'm going to give it to you for your news and nuggets. So my third one here was the Lord of the Rings explosive alternate ending. And the reason this comes up is because 15 years later, more tidbits continue to come out about these movies, like production values and stuff like that. And there's actually, I think it's either a movie or a book being, let me see. Uh, there's a forthcoming book that's coming from Time Magazine. Uh, entertainment, according to him, which is referencing Entertainment Weekly, anything you can imagine, Peter Jackson and making a Middle Earth uh, book coming out about like you know the production and all that. And there was a fun little story in there about how they were shooting on a space of of New Zealand of like abandoned military training area where there was like live shells, artillery shells, still there, like buried. Okay. And there was a safe zone that was marked in corn, like marked off, like that they could shoot in and stand in. And in the scene where, <laughs> um, what's his face, Aragon is delivering his speech outside the gates of Mordor, he goes a little improv, and he goes too far <laughs> outside of the zone. And this is the quote: Jackson remembers waiting for the explosion. Nathan writes in his book. That's <laughs> just like, could you imagine? <laughs> Having found um, their perfect Aragon, they were going to watch him get blown up by an unexploded New Zealand bomb. <laughs> I, I have questions. Yes. Name, namely, why were they shooting against the edge of the safe zone? No idea. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> like, shouldn't they have, like, drawn, like, okay, this is the safe zone, and then draw another box inside of it, like... And this is the zone we'll shoot in, so we never get up against the edge of the safe zone. Because right. you realize if you if use the whole space, that you may walk over the line. Right. I don't know how far outside he went. Think people. But, uh, what'd you say? I said, think people. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like, could, you just, could you imagine that story, though? You're three movies in. Right? You're, uh, you're filming this epic scene. And your lead character explodes, <laughs> like on set. That's you know every, every once in a while you have, um, you know like a stuntman dies or something making a movie. Yep. And then you know you have a situation with uh, like Paul Walker where they're almost done shooting a movie and he just happens to die off set in a freak accident. Um, with you know ninety nine percent of his scenes having been shot already. Um, and I'm guessing probably most of Lord of the Rings was done being shot at that point, but maybe it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, I don't know how at that stage. You, I mean, yes, you get 
like a voice actor who does a really good impression of him and have him do narration. I got. I have no idea. Be pretty weird to swap him out during like the third of the fifteen endings of that movie. It's like this this alternate universe where it happens, and they go, like, "What are we gonna do now?" And Peter Jackson goes, "No, no, no I can work with this." <laughs> like, just like lets it happen on screen. Just picturing and like, that rallies everybody. <laughs> I'm just picturing like them coming to shoot like the last few scenes with him and it's a new actor and it's like that anchorman where where she, where uh, she has where Veronica has to take over the thing and Steve Carell just turns and goes you're not wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> there we go <laughs> amazing what uh what little tidbits do you have for us this week okay um I have a quote that I found vaguely entertaining from Evangeline Lilly uh, about the making of the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, okay. the post post credit scene. Now, if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, and if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, just take off the next, let's call it 90 seconds of the show. Just fast forward real quick. Spoilers, guys. So this is a direct quote from Evangeline Lilly. I'm so grateful that they cut it out because at that point I have not seen Avengers Infinity War. So I really had no idea what a, what a dusting looked like or felt like or what's supposed to be. And I don't think Peyton Reed really did either. Once I watched Avengers Infinity War, I realized I dusted terribly. I did a really bad job of that. I had no idea really what was happening. <laughs> so this is from a story where um, apparently they shot that scene at the end of the post credit where um, all of them turned to dust. Mm-hmm. They shot them in the way that it was like in, with Avengers Infinity War where they show them disappearing. They shot it, but they didn't have the Russos there and they hadn't seen the cut of Avengers Infinity War yet. So they didn't know what it was supposed to be looking like. So okay. they're just like, yeah, let's just do a thing where everyone's disappearing or whatever. And they realized apparently that they fucked it up and they were like, we'll just show him as dust. It's not important to watch right. them turn into dust. And I just found that whole situation funny, but especially the way that she's just calling it dusting. Yeah. Like, as a verb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really great. It's kind of funny, though, is I think that would have taken away from what we ended up getting as a pretty great scene. Probably. Yeah. Interesting. That is really funny. I actually, um, I've heard this before, like, back when the movie had come out. Uh, Michael Douglas just, he didn't watch Civil War. He didn't know anything about what was going on. And they... Uh, I think I brought honest... that up when we did the, yeah. that, the one of the episodes right after it. But there's an there's an honest trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp where they cover that, and like he go he he says something like "Oh, Dad," <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. I I love I love those honest trailers, man. They're so funny. Yes. If you guys haven't, if you're not familiar with those, that's a, just a it's a quick YouTube search, and you will fall down this insane rabbit hole of comedy. <laughs> it's well, it's wonderful. After after we did the Quiet Place a few weeks ago, I went. And I was like, you know what? That probably made for an interesting, especially yeah. considering I was the one who had a lot of issues with it. I was like, that probably made for an interesting, honest trailer, and I was not disappointed. I found it to be entertaining. If it, uh, I think I sent it to you, I don't know if you saw it. I, yeah, I, I had seen it before, but if you you should watch it for movies that you love because. It's really funny, and then you should also watch it for movies that you hate because it just it feels like just more of tearing them to shit to shreds. Vindication. Yeah, it's it's great. The the that and the cinema sins are are two great 
great sets of uh of that one i found entertaining too a uh, little less so and not that i watch either of them all that often but when i stumble across i'm i'm more like oh if there's an honest trailers one for like i'm more interested in when i hear that than i am when yeah. i hear about a cinema sins well one. that and the cinema sins are it's pretty long they could be like yeah that's probably part of it too upwards of 20 minutes in a lot of cases because they go through yeah. like the entire movie and it, it can be funny you know what it is the delivery during those videos is, is really funny Yes, that's so. It's 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 all about the delivery with those things. It's great. Okay, um, I just remembered right now that I forgot to remind you. Did you watch that thing I sent you the other day? Shit. I no, it's not. okay. You d- you didn't watch it. It's several minutes long. We'll do it next week. Not a big deal. It's not mm-hmm. super time sensitive. Though there's a funny story that goes along with it as well. Okay. So, um, we'll file that away for next week. Um, I have one other thing. Um, this week's segment of. What are we watching? Hmm. Um, this the first one I want to. There's I have three specific things I want to talk about. Um, one, have you been watching Jim Carrey's new show? No, I want to though. I figured you would because I know you've been such a big Jim Carrey oh, fan. I love him. Yeah, I have not watched any of it yet. I've been trying to figure out whether I actually want to. I kind of do. Um, it seems like they're doing kind of a twisted-ish version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I got. Um, but the reason I thought about it was just because it's so interesting to see him, like, really working. Like Jim Carrey, because like, he hasn't been for a while now. Oh, the past few years, yeah. Yeah, um, and to see him throw himself at this sort of role, that seems to really fit the vibe of his real life that he's been portraying for the last couple of years. Um, Cause I feel bad. I, I don't, the thing is I can never really tell anymore where he's at. Mm-hmm. Like when he, you see him speak publicly. Um, I mean, he's, it's a weird, his, he's just a weird story over the last several years. And oh yeah. Um, if you, honestly, if you want, if you want to like a little bit of a gauge on that, you should really watch Jim and Andy. Yeah. It's uh it's a very unsettling documentary. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um I've heard it's interesting. I never saw the actual movie either, um, that it's about or whatever. Mm-hmm. Really um, good movie too. Like I was struggling to remember what the actual movie was called. Man so Moon. That's it. Um yeah, no, I just I like when I hear him, I can't tell if he's joking, if he's not joking, if it's one of those things where you're supposed to be in on the joke or not. I can't tell where he's at anymore with any of it at any given moment. Um, but I found this to be interesting. I know some people have been interested in the show and I just happened to see someone um, who has been watching the show apparently said, I think it was over this past week's episode. Like I've been interested in on board with the show, but if it continues going the way that it has, that I'm probably not going to stick along for the ride. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering if you were watching. What's it called? To again? Know if, um, I think it's called kidding kidding yeah that, i think that's right yeah i have to i have to get, catch up on that I, w- I would like to see it uh yeah i'm undecided whether i'm ever going to watch what i'm actually going to watch or not uh but i figured either you were watching or you had it like up next type of mm-hmm. thing you know okay For sure. um let's talk about something that i am watching and i think you're watching the walking dead yeah so let's. I, that was way too much excitement. The excitement behind that was because of this. There's some crazy nonsense going on, and I feel like 
I feel like they're not trying as hard, and it's funnier to me, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? I don't know. We've got they just like well, there's the overacting is not being cut and reshot as okay. much, and it definitely was in the past. There's there's just Rick just being straight up over the top for no reason at all, which is really funny to me. Like there's just a scene where he just you know he does his his whole turn to the side. And he looks over his shoulder and he like kind of talks really dark into the into the uh, the radio. And I'm just like, you were just asking somebody what the status of something is. Why are you so upset? <laughs> and it, it was really funny. And Kim and I just looked at each other and we were just like, that's dramatic. <laughs> and so, then and then just another like they're like, we want to do something fun. So they were like, you know what we should do? We should roll over a bunch of zombies. With logs, that how can we up. how can we work that in? <laughs> and then they just built a scene around it for like no reason. <laughs> well, it's great because I read like I I kind of like had the thought unformed in my mind, and someone was like, "So we're just straight up ripping this out of the the playbook of the Return of the Jedi. Like we're just going with the Ewok plan and just taking them out with the, the rolling logs." Yes. The only way this is okay is if we circle back around and someone gets. Step, stomped on one of the Alexandrians gets stomped on by an ATST. Like that's the only way we're allowed to have this. <laughs> it, it's it's ridiculous. There was well, also there was also a scene of this man's arm is broken. We need to cut it off. I mean, probably it's possible that that's that that was valid, but it was very it was a very quick judgment call. <laughs> it, it, it's valid when you decide that the person who's going to be the on-site medic for a vast undertaking of construction um, is going to be a teenage girl who has approximately a week hands-on experience. Now, to be fair, we're talking some straight-up spoilers for this week's season of the show, this week's episode of the show. But tangentially enough that it's not actually spoiling anything. True, and at the same, on the same token, let's be serious, it's the second episode in a Walking Dead season, so nothing really happens. So let me just tell you this. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do the thing. But um, what we've said to you has been less directly a spoiler than a headline of an article. You know how like you have like when you open like a new tab and on like Google Chrome. Yeah, um, I, did, I did one of those before. It's something about Arrow, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, so yeah, you see, you see like the oh stories you may be interested in, and I usually scroll through that when I'm looking yeah. to just read something when I'm bored. Uh, on, the, on account of my interests, <laughs> tell me something new, internet, and it's You're like. Right. You know, I'm looking through, and a lot of times it's like, you know, episode nine Star Wars actor has, you know, quotes. I'm doing a bad job, you know, but it's like, okay, I'll click on that and see what the quote from this actor is. I'll bite, yeah. Story about whatever, you know. It's just straight up clickbait. And one of them, but not even offensive, like, you know, like. No, it's it's just catered clickbait. That's why it works so well. Um, But even stuff that's not, that's just like, you know, like the headline of an article. It's like, oh, that article sounds interesting. Um, and then there was one, it was, and it was from like the Hollywood Reporter, I think, or the Rap, one of them, like you know, like a, like a decent publication. And that thing you just talked about about the losing of an arm, mm-hmm. the person who lost the arm, and the fact that that person lost an arm was in the title of the article. <laughs> That's kind of funny. This was on Monday morning. I hadn't watched the episode yet. Bare Sunday night. This was on Monday morning. I'm like, dude, like. What? Like yeah. usually when you see that article, it was o- OMG spoilers. Right, right. This character lost their arm and we can't believe it or something like that. You know what I mean? And this was just like 
straight out like <laughs> in a sentence just laid out this person lost their arm last night well the person <laughs> writing the article had the same i guess had the same uh feelings towards it that i did this doesn't matter at all <laughs> i mean it mattered but well so the reason i brought up the walking dead is um there some of what's gone on with the beginning of the season and i don't just mean on screen i mean the whole bubble surrounding mm. the existence of the show i found interesting they have a new showrunner this season okay um i think her last name is kang i want to say it's is it angela i don't want to yep i was right angela kang is the new showrunner of the walking dead i think she's been a writer on the show since season two okay um They've good season. done a lot of new stuff starting, right? There's a time jump of, what, a year or so, right, from the end of last season. Um, we've lost some characters, some big characters in recent times. We're starting off with a whole new storyline, all this sort of stuff. There should be excitement around the start of, of, of a new season. Um, they announced that the viewership of the first episode, of the, of the, the premiere of the season, was down to a, roughly 6 million viewers, which is Half of what it was last year, I believe. Oh, damn. I think it was 12 million at the, the, the premiere last year. Um, and this year it's down to six, which is still a really high number mm-hmm. um, as far as cable shows go. But it's down from, I think at its peak, the show was at like 17 or 18 million. Wow. was like what their like high watermark for viewership was. Um, so it's fallen on pretty hard times. Um, and I found that some of it, what I found interesting is, I don't know if you noticed in this week's episode, and again, this isn't really a spoiler, um, there's a scene where Rick is speaking to someone and kind of giving them a narration of recent events, and they say, mm-hmm. we've got a new beginning, we're building something here. And it was a little too on the nose that this is supposed to be a meta moment for like what, the show itself as well, right. in addition to just the storyline. And what I found myself, especially considering all the shit I was talking about it last week or the week before, um, not having watched any of the show yet, uh, after having watched the first two episodes, it's actually kind of good. Where, like where they're going? Oh, just just the two hours it's, of the. It yeah, it's better. It's better than it's been. I'm In not. A I'm, of years. I'm it's not ready to say that first, it's good. The first two episodes are dramatically better than it's been for like three years. They're doing a lot to better. To the point where I'm all like I'm almost even willing to start to back off my whole I want to leave the second that Rick's off the show. Mm. Um, I actually, through the first two episodes, not all of it, but I found myself caring about kind of what's going on with some of the characters and storylines. Yeah, they did a um, they did a deep dive on a character for a little bit. I'm not going to go too far into it. On a character in this episode that is, is a new character. Uh, and it was... The backstory was interesting, and the way that that tied into another character's past was interesting. And I was like, "Oh, that's you know, like that's pretty good." And you know, Kim and I were sitting there talking a little bit about it afterwards. But like, Maggie is a hard ass now, and it's like, yeah, it like it makes like it makes sense that she's not like that she doesn't want to budge, and that she's probably not going to. And I I do I think that they're they're doing a pretty good job of. Uh, of keeping the characters developed to the point where they have brought them to now. And like, they're like now really trying to hold on to that. Like things with Daryl are coming to a head. Things with Maggie are coming to a head. Uh, the people that follow Rick fairly blindly are like, they almost seem like drones. It's interesting. 
Well, and not just that, but I mean, a show that for the last several years has leaned so heavily on contrivance, there's still some of that. The whole situation that came to a head at the climax of last week's episode was very contrived. There's many ways that they could have got around it. And I was very irritated with where it was going until it was resolved at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then where that what that story kicked off in this episode, I actually even forgave it its contrivance some because it was a bad process to get to a good result mm-hmm. in the sense that, like Mag, like you said, Maggie's storyline is interesting. Yeah. Her, her interaction with the other characters, both important and not important, is interesting and make me want to pay attention. And it's just something as simple as getting back to the basics of what the show, what made the show good. It's character driven story. Yes. It's character driven story. And the narrative points are moving towards something, not just moving towards set pieces. So while I agree with that, I had stated earlier that it doesn't matter. A lot of the things that I had mentioned earlier, like that it doesn't matter in the context of it. I, while I agree with you in the context of the first two episodes, the first couple and the last couple of the season are generally pretty good. I no, know the, they, I, they haven't been for these, some, some This years. is better than the last. The, the, at least the first and last are always good. The no, stuff in between. They're not good. Debatable. But the stuff in between is all bad on the previous seasons. Like the, the previous, like maybe three or four. I don't remember exactly how long. But. With this one, I I'm I'm a little bit like jaded by the previous season, so I'm like I don't I'm not hopeful that it's going to stay this way. Well, we we both are. I, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is I'm curious with a new person running it. Right. It could it and, could be and, a good and thing. a new direction. What they're doing is something they haven't done in a few a years. A new beginning. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so the reason I bring all of this up is what the fuck took them so long. It really took them shedding half their viewership to do this. When everyone has been yelling for this for years, it's beyond the point of no return. Because you and I have been diehard fans of the show, and we're already talking like we have one foot out the door. And many people have already taken both feet out the door. They're never coming back. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to stay yet. I'm softening on, on that, but I'm still not sure. You sound like you're unsure as well. I am. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that I'm. I'm in it for. I mean, I'll probably continue to watch it like over maybe until they do something even more frustrating to me. Like I'm not. I'm not super invested. Like I used to be there nine o'clock Sunday night watching it. Now it's just like I watched it today. Like it's it's Wednesday. Like, yeah. I, like it's not. It's not really a big deal. And to that's me how anymore. I've been doing it for a while too. Like if I got time on a Monday, if I got time on Tuesday, whatever. Like I'll, or you know, I'll watch half an hour, and then the next day I'll watch the next half hour, whatever. It's just the arrogance of this show, having been at the top for so long, it took them so long to turn the direction of the ship. It's it's infuriating because when they get back to it being kind of good again, it's like. Oh yeah, that was why I watched this show to begin with. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm kind of curious. I wonder how much of an impact on the viewership the whole Chris Hardwick thing had. I don't think it had very much because they shed a ton of viewers after last year's um, premiere. Last year's premiere right. was the debut of Who Got Killed by Negan. Yeah. The week after, it plummeted. It dropped. They dropped like 20 or 30 percent of their viewers that in one week mm-hmm. still 
Well, yeah, and then I guess the climax is not that. Well, I guess the the Carl stuff was was pretty nuts. But I guess the resolution of the of what they've been building towards this whole time, I could imagine for some people was just not what they wanted. But it's it's again, it's not like a oh hey, this is annoying. This is years in the making. Mm-hmm. They have had plenty of time to correct their course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll continue to watch the season. I I am right now. The thing that I am most curious about is how Andrew Lincoln exits the show. That's what I I really want to know what. Which is actually there. coming. That's coming sooner than I expected. He's only going to be in six episodes. Lauren Cohen's only going to be in six episodes. She's exiting too. Yes. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, well, anyway, I'm curious. I, those those things I am curious about. But that, you know, them only being in six episodes doesn't mean it's not the entire season. What do you mean? You've seen Walking Dead before. They they cut characters out for multiple episodes at a time. Okay. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But um, the way they've been they've been parsing it out so far, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's a six-episode run. We're going to get two episodes about Father Gabriel's left eye. We're going to get three episodes <laughs> about a helicopter. Well, at least the helicopter thing seems vaguely important. We're going to get one episode I don't know if it'll of just close-up be... shots of people's faces. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, considering she had... I'm pretty sure she had zero lines in the first week of the episode. Jadis, who's going by Anne, is that what it is yeah. now? I'm so, <laughs> glad she, I'm, so, I'm so glad that she's using a normal voice. Oh, it's so much Oh, better. yeah. I agree um, with that 100%. I, I at first I was confused because I couldn't remember where they left off with her last season. Like I, I, the last thing I remembered was missing the helicopter. I don't remember what she did after that on the show. Um, and then she was with them on their little excursion last week to DC. Yeah. Um, but when I first saw her, I was because I wasn't paying attention. I had it on while I was like making myself breakfast, and I was like, "That looks like what's her name? Is she still around? Huh?" And she had zero lines, and like you just saw a quick like shots of her like for like two seconds from like across the room and i'm like i think that's her but i don't know she's not dressed weird her hair right. is normal like eh, uh, we'll figure it out eventually <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what happened i didn't see her again the rest of the episode um and then she's just in it again and she's talking and i'm like like i'm pretty sure it's her but she's not speaking like an idiot anymore so yeah okay no that's her yeah that's right okay we got a, like a close-up of her for a few seconds while she's talking yeah that's her huh oh they got a thing going on where did that come from? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> also, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah, know, I just, it's just a shame to me as I see all of this, like, hey, guys, we're trying to fix it. Like, we got a new beginning. Like, you could have tried that, like, three, four years ago, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, though. I don't know. Those episodes that I just mentioned, those are those are the episodes that's going to happen. And that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, we're still, we still have it. Because in the end, they have to fill 16 episodes, right? Is that what it is? It's eight and eight? Is it eight and eight or seven and seven? I, I think don't know. it's I think it's eight and eight. I know because it drags on for a really long ass time. So I like you know, we're also gonna get you know, we I, we had mentioned somebody loses their arm. So we're gonna get twenty minutes in an episode of like us finding out that he was actually uh left handed. So it's gonna be like twenty minutes of him learning how to use his right hand to eat soup. We're gonna have another ten minutes of them building the plow that they broke. <laughs> And we're no, gonna he have, was already. Someone was already doing that at the end of the episode. We're gonna have another five minutes of them building, uh, bundling up the logs that they had to cut that rolled down. Which and then that's what that's thirty. That's thirty-five minutes, right? So that's the whole show. 
because fucking AMC. <laughs> we were doing so good up until this last little bit where we didn't actually reveal like any inclination as to who it was who lost their arm until you finally gave like well you cut it. the we cut the population in half as to who it who yeah, it could be why, by saying that it was a guy it was Aaron. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're not sorry for you, but. If anyone's listening who hasn't watched yet still likes the show, unlike us, it's I, I try to avoid that sort of thing without at least saying spoilers ahead of time. Yeah, it, we're we're too far into it. But um, anyway, interested. I I like I said, I still want to see how. Well, now more so, I actually didn't realize Maggie was leaving. So now more so, that character, probably that character. It, I'm really remember that story in. that we were tracking last year that um, there was like contract disputes with I the, the yes. two of them and Norman Reedus. I remember there being contract disputes with her, but I didn't know that it ended up with that she's done after this. Well, the big story was Andrew Lincoln, but like it was quietly mentioned behind that that she was leaving too. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me, and I think that's going to end up depending on how they handle it. That could end up for some interesting, some interesting episodes, some crazy. Actually, I've, I've been wondering if they've like been wondering whether everyone's been paying attention because this whole like the promotion. Well, I guess maybe you wouldn't have seen. I'm sure you've probably seen somewhere online, but there's been a lot of promotional material of. The final episodes of Rick Grimes, like that's what the whole ad campaign was, and a oh, couple cool. of up to this, nothing about her leaving, but she is leaving. Hmm. Very strange. Very strange. Oh, we'll see what happens. We'll do a we'll do a Walking Dead episode, <laughs> recap this season. I mean, I guess it probably would be fair with him with his you know whatever his last episode is, or both their last episode if it's the same one. I yeah. I don't know. They just, they just like take each other out. <laughs> I, I I actually I I've been wondering if this ends with one or both of their deaths or not. I, I guess it would probably have to be at least one of them, right? I think it'd be interesting if it ends with like the death of Maggie and Rick just like fuck this. I tried, and he just walks away. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I more found interesting just the whole situation surrounding it than mm. the actual episodes themselves. But anyway, um, yeah. moving on to my final segment of what we're watching. Um, we did what we're not watching, what we are watching, and what we will soon be watching. Or at least what I will soon be watching. And that's season two of Daredevil starts this week. Oh, nice. That releases this I've, Friday. I've got way too much catching up to do to be able to start that on Friday, but yeah, I will I, I be watching. I figured that it. was the case. That's why I said what I will at least be watching because I am so very excited for that. If you haven't seen the trailers or teasers for it yet, I guess you probably have avoided it since yeah. you're very behind. But do I need to avoid it? I'm going to continue to avoid it. No, actually, you probably wouldn't have to because uh, all the stuff that they've really said or shown it was all stuff that's either been directly from the end of season two or from Defenders. Yeah. So that's all stuff you've seen. Yeah. By the way, did you hear? Did I? Did we talk about this? That they canceled Iron Fist? We didn't talk about it. I did hear about it. Uh, I'm not surprised after the first season, but I I thought people were liking the second one. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm after the first season. I'm not surprised. The second season was significantly better, so I am a little surprised. Although, some of the wording around it was interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if the characters continue to live on within the shared universe. Oh, okay. Like like pop up every once in a while? Yeah, or even just... Because they did 
an entire episode of the second season of Luke Cage, Iron Fist. It's a like a buddy episode with it's Luke and Danny. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he just joins that show or like you know joined it for several episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like uh, if if they did that and they did it with I don't know how how well do you know how well the second season of Jessica Jones was was taken. Um, still fairly well, I believe. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking more along the lines of like uh, what they do in the that what they call the Arrowverse on CW, which is they have all these other characters that they introduce that they were like, well, we want to make more shows. None of these people can stand on their own. Well, let's spin off a show with all of them. <laughs> we'll just make the ensemble show. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that sort of thing. I, I they've been playing coy with whether or not there will be a second Defenders. Um, I think there will be eventually. Um, and so Danny and those people would live on in that, I believe, because I didn't see anything about them being released from their contracts. Um, and honestly, where it was, where it ended at the end of the second season, there's still a lot going on with all of that. Yeah. So that's why I was confused. Like it was very much set up for another season. So that's why I'm surprised I canceled it. Um, like it wasn't, it didn't leave on a cliffhanger, but it's like, there's a lot more to this story probably. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know. I, I maybe I would think that maybe a couple of those characters. Uh, I was really surprised, like um, Misty, the the detective in Luke Cage. Yeah, she's in like half of the season of Iron Fist. Huh. Strange. I like she showed up. I was like, oh, she'll probably be here for an episode or two, or whatever. Like she was there for like the entirety of the second half of the season. Oh damn, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, and I was I was cool. To, I, I, I like cool. I like that they're able to do that, right? That mix and match. It's like these are people are all in the same universe. They're like, why the hell not? I am yeah. kind of curious. I don't think it'll happen. What are you, what are your thoughts on? Do you think these characters will ever show up in the MCU? Um, well, it is probably, the MCU, but like you know what I mean. Probably not. Though there's a much higher percentage chance of them showing up on one of the movies than anyone from one of the movies showing up in the shows, and that's that's more what I was wondering if you think they'll show up in the movies. I don't think they would go the other way. They've continued to mention stuff from the movies, and actually even gotten more specific with some of it. Um, mm. and, and Luke Cage and and Iron Fist, so you still know things are moving apace in that way. Although there was nothing about. Uh, the Infinity War stuff, so it's hard to tell the exact I was gonna, I was going to ask you that if there was any reference to that. No, not yet. Um, Maybe that's what happened to season three. <laughs> um, but yeah, so circling this all back to where I was starting with, I'm really excited for season three of Daredevil. I read oh. a review of, you know, they do like the advanced screening. Um, yeah. The review was like of the first six episodes of the new season of Daredevil, and they're like, they got back to a lot of what was really good about the first season, and it's a, like a thematic thing. And, and I love the second season of that show too. Like, I did not have an issue with that in any way. I mean, like, whether or not it was perfect or which season was better, I like I, I wouldn't really have a good basis for comparison because now it's been several years since I've seen the first season. Right. Um, but I very much enjoyed that second season. So, yeah. um, and this one is going to feature much more heavily. Um, what's his name back as Wilson Fisk, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, okay. Um, he, cause he was only in the second season a little bit. Um, at, at some, it's not a spoiler. It's, it's, it's been the heart of the promotional material. He's getting out of prison. He's going to be back in the forefront. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense with some of the other stuff that I have, I have like heard in passing. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm excited to catch up because I I've, I always loved Daredevil, 
the character. So I really want to catch up so that I could watch that. I uh, one of the reasons I don't think they would actually join, like, move those characters over to the like to the actual movies is thematically. I think there's like a line between the movies and the shows. The shows themselves, there there's a lot more dark material in the Netflix shows than there are in the movies. I feel like the Netflix show is less accessible for like all audiences. Yeah, that's probably true. And I I appreciate that you can you can have both of these things. I just think they're doing a really good job. Yeah. Aside think, from I aside from they're... Defenders and the first season of uh, the first season of Iron Fist and the second half of the first season of Luke Cage, there's no I think, excuse I for think those. You could, I think you could credibly do, if not all of them, something of it um, in like a Spider Man, considering it takes that's... place so much at the street level in New York. I think that's fair, and especially like going back to the like the comics, how close of a relationship characters like daredevil and the punisher have with spider-man mm-hmm. no that could be that could be interesting i i would love i would love for them to do that but i would love for them to do it on a level where they kept it under wraps until it was out yeah i don't know if they would we if they would do that but i think they should do that if they were to on the same the same note not to heart back on the walking dead stuff i would have preferred to find out watching the season that andrew lincoln was not going to be on it anymore Yes, um, although it was reported heavily. Uh, Too heavily, I guess. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if it's just because that's how, like, hard the negotiation was or whatever. Um, I guess that's probably what it was, that, like, loose lips sink ships in that case, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I guess they just decided, well, we can't really deny it. Everyone fucking knows it, so we'll just lean into it as the promotional material. Like, try right. and pull eyes back to the screen. That's how we'll do it. Hmm. I lean on that nostalgia. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm just trying to think if I'm watching anything. I am watching The Good Place. I'm just, I like an episode behind on that. Absolutely love that show. It's a lot of fun. As I mentioned in previous episodes, Ted Danson is my hero. <laughs> uh, watching Walking Dead, as we mentioned. And Arrow and Flash have started up. I haven't started them yet, but those are those are on my list. Okay. I think I think that's it. I don't think there's. I feel like the, I was gonna. I feel like earlier I was about to say something else, but I can't remember if I'm watching something else. Oh, I'm, I am watching the final season of Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. So there's that. There's that. No, never cared for that show. No, a lot of people nah. don't. A lot of people I talk to don't seem to like that. I always find it entertaining. It's silly. I know what it is. It's silly. I'm okay with that. It's another one of those ones that I think we've we've spoken before. I don't like those comedies where they stop for laughter, like canned yeah. audience laughter. It just takes me so far out of the experience. It, it breaks it for you. That's and that's totally fair. Awesome. Was that the last note on what you're watching? Oh, I finished yeah. Better Call Saul. I don't think that was on the last episode. Um, I, I don't think so. I think just oh, you and so. me might have briefly, actually, just very briefly. I think it was just you threw me a text like I finished it. Oh my god! Yeah. So like, just to say, not everything on AMC is a shit show. Just want to yes. point that out. <laughs> that's, ooh, that's still that show, excellent. That show is top notch. Oh yeah. To the point where it ended, I was like, shit. Now I have to wait a long time for the next. Me year. too. Uh, um, I think I feel very comfortable. I think I brought it up a few weeks ago. I feel very comfortable saying um, that that is currently the best show on TV. 
Nice, nice. The the, the 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 torch has been passed with the ending of the Americans to Better Call Saul. Nice, awesome. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that wraps up and ties into an opening for Breaking Bad. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I'm curious to see just what level of post Breaking Bad that we get because they've leaned and hinted pretty heavily that they want to give us more than they've given. Yeah. Yeah, I same. I whatever they want to get, I've, I'll just wait because I know whatever I'm gonna get is gonna be just of the top, toppest, tippy toppest <laughs> quality. <laughs> anyway, you want to get into the uh, the movie? Let's do it. So, bad times at the El Royale. What did you think? Um, I have I actually have a line for this. Um, it's funny that recently we watched a bad movie called Good Time. And now we got to watch a good movie called Bad Times. Appreciate that. That's good. That that's a that could be the opener of your review <laughs> when you read. Yeah, that, that would be my tweet length review. Like, <laughs> funny how the world works. Uh, the movie is in. It's just an insane slow burn for like the first what two acts. Yeah, probably the first two thirds of the movie. Well, it, no, we start getting midway through the second act. We start getting some action, some violence. That's true. I guess it's like it's super, super, super slow pace for the first act. It jumps to start picking up a little bit in the second, and then it just goes balls to the wall in the third. Yeah, I, I guess the physical action starts to really take off halfway through the second act, mm-hmm. but we still don't know what how it serves the narrative yet until yeah. probably it takes off into the third act. So this is an interesting movie about a bunch of characters. Just just straight up characters at this hotel, the El Royale, which is on the border of Nevada and California, which we'll get to a little bit later, uh, I believe serves no purpose. <laughs> and we'll, I guess I'm hoping that maybe you have some light to shed on that for me. Um, it serves a little purpose other than to establish some fun world building, I think. Okay. Because other than that, um, it probably really doesn't matter all that much right so i do wonder if it's one of those things where if i were to go back and rewatch it knowing everything that happened so that i'm not um about to die of a heart attack like my so like i'm afraid watching this movie like i i was fully expecting my heart to explode that's how that's how tense i was i like there's there's so much slow build up and you don't know what terrible thing is going to happen but you know something terrible is going to happen yes and that makes it a lot harder to dissect the movie because you can't really focus in on anything else other than the thing that is front and center of the screen. Um, and I say front and center because they do a lot of really fun, perfectly symmetrical shots where they do put the like the point of what's happening directly in the middle of the screen, which actually I, I liked that style. I liked what they were, I liked a lot of the cinematography in it. Uh, it reminded me like a weird mix of Tarantino movies and like a Wes Anderson movie. It's funny that you said that. Cause I actually, I, I, you know, I didn't actually write it, but I was thinking it after I watched the movie. Um, cause I saw a lot of references to it being Tarantino esque and that it's kind of an homage to those sorts of movies. Yeah. Um, and I thought the exact same thing you did where it's that Tarantino vibe by way of the peculiarity, peculiarity and specificity of the Wes Anderson like 
everything like mm-hmm. how the, the the detail with which everything as far as decor and where everything is it has its own place and it's all felt like it's it comes out of like a little puzzle box type of thing you know what i mean yeah like and he does he does a lot of those perfectly symmetrical shots and that was like one of the first things that caught my eye was when they they do one of those uh those pan ups and it's like from the ground up to the hotel and it's on the line between the two states and the first thing that came to my mind was Wes Anderson would have a field day with this. <laughs> he would absolutely love it. And then uh, just jumping ahead real quick, no, no spoiler or anything here. There's a great, what I'm calling Jeff Bridges' Oscar scene in the movie, a great monologue that he gives where he is front and center in the camera and everything. It's, again, perfectly symmetrical. He's dead center on on the screen while he's talking. He's delivering just this incredible, incredible monologue to a point where, like, I believe him. <laughs> like, I really believe him. Like, as not the character going through this shit, but Jeff Bridges is going through this shit. Like, that's, I feel like that's how good he delivered that. Uh, but that's, which is, there's even layers upon layers to that. Yes. As we, we'll, into we'll get the movie. into that in spoiler territory. But it was just, there's just a lot, there was a lot of fun. Um, the whole, you know, this side, you can have alcohol on, this side, you can't. But they they're just like mirror images of each other. It it was really that stuff. Was and it was silly. cool, like and like the way it's like the color scheme, like the main color on the one side is the secondary color on the other side, and yeah. vice versa. It's like it actually. You know what it reminded me of is um in Batman Forever, um Two Faces place. Yep. Where that it's that like not quite symmetry, but that yin yang yeah aspect. Balance. And I do, and that's kind of what I wonder is if you were to go back and watch it, which is the the reason I would go back to watch it. Again. I definitely would need to go back to rewatch some stuff, and actually, we'll get into that with some like a big thing, a big point that I had for this. There's stuff that's like, man, I wish I could just rewatch parts of this just to like to like completely be able to absorb what happened there. Right. And I even went to look up one of it online. I think it's just because it's been so soon since it came out. There's not like a lot of really clips on there yet. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at though. It's, it's so there was so much going on, and everything that you do notice was well planned out for a very long time throughout the movie. That I can't, I, I like, I'm hesitant to believe that this was just like a silly thing that they did. I feel like there's probably some significance to when things happen in the movie. If you were to go back and analyze the scenes which side like because you're not paying attention to it at the time but which side they were on when it happens i bet you that is very significant i i, I didn't think about that because they didn't matter like there was no gambling or anything that happened there was no particular criminality that may have been legal in one state as opposed to another right i can say though there is a what i can point out right now is that a handful of scenes that i'm thinking of where something absurd goes down it was on one side of the line. Okay. Uh, but there may be one scene that kind of debunks that. And we'll get into that in, uh, in spoilers if we, if we circle back on that, that notion. A uh, couple of things to note here. Pre-spoilers. John Hamm is amazing. I like him in everything that I see him in. I find him to be great. I still feel like I haven't seen him. I haven't really seen him in a leading role in anything, honestly. Because I've never watched Mad Men. I haven't seen Mad Men either. I, I've only seen him as a supporting character. And in the three times that I've seen him, I've like the first time I saw him, I didn't know what to expect. And he blew me away. And that was Baby Driver. 
The second mm. time I saw him was in Tag, and I actually really I I thought he did a great job playing off the other characters in that. He's very funny. And he, yes, he can be. He's he's really good at line delivery, and in and in this movie, I thought he was fantastic. And the reason why I called you a Kutramon in the beginning was because of how many times that he says that. <laughs> early yeah, on in the movie. yeah, I forgot about that actually. Yeah. And it's just Wait, absolutely... you, you you never saw the town. Um, I did see the town. I don't. I don't fully remember. I would have to rewatch it. I think he was the that. FBI agent who was hunting them down. Okay, that sounds right. <laughs> I can confirm that uh, that is right. I think I, I actually think I own that. I think that's back there on the wall. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to rewatch that. But uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoy him. Um, he also I mean, had a great. He also had a great little role in um, Parks and Rec. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he was. I'm sure it's so something absurd. So at the end of the second to last season, was it the sixth season? They didn't know if the show was going to be renewed for another year. And they do that jump forward in time a couple of years. And he's the new Jerry, essentially. Yes, yes. And Leslie, he's completely incompetent. And Leslie fires him. And he says, oh, sorry. And then uh, he's like, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> the season ends like shortly after. And then at the when they pick up the beginning of the next season, when they stick with that time jump, he's in the beginning of that scene. You see him get fired again. And like that's the last time you see him. Like, he's just in those two like bookending that like between the sixth and seventh season. I, I'm, it's really funny that you brought that up because that ties him to two other actors in the movie that yes, I did not. Ra- there's randomly very small roles for Jim O'Hare and Nick Offerman. Yeah, <laughs> so that's really bizarre. I wonder if there's some sort of link there. Maybe some casting director or something. Yeah, oh, that's that's funny. Um, the other, the only other thing that I think I had on here to mention pre-spoilers was the character Darlene is kind of awesome like she's she's just like such a fighter throughout the whole thing and like is is which is funny because she's the only one who doesn't have like a violent background right which is which is great she's like probably she's the purest of the characters yeah when it all said and done she's really the only one who you can root for right right which is it's just really interesting to see because she's also uh she knows who she is she knows where she stands and she's such a badass she knows who she is and she knows where she stands, even though where she stands is not where anyone else thinks she should. Right. It's uh, As they all realize as time goes on. Yeah. And we're going to get into, um, well, I, we can mention Chris Hemsworth uh, absolutely stealing the screen when he's on. <laughs> when he's on. It's At he's times, ridiculous. It but was, it, he ran hot and cold. There is a point in the, uh, there is a point in the movie where she puts him in, in his place and it's like right. it's it it almost like knocks you back in the seat. Like it's like oh it's like oh shit. <laughs> that was, I don't care. Yeah, oh, it's like care. she she shuts him down and, and like he's he's supposed to be commanding the room at this time and she shuts him down and you're just the way that she does it is just it's the most calculated dismissal. <laughs> in a well, because she hit words. him where it hurts verbally, yeah. right? Oh, she so good. So shut him down and dismissed him and revealed to him. It's probably the only time uh, since he's assumed the power that he has that he's been revealed to himself as so 
childish and unimportant. Yeah, it was in in a much more elegant way. He just said, "You basic." And yeah, then, and it was and it like, was so you are good. so not special. It's not funny. <laughs> And your whole worldview is built upon you being special. So my my quick recap is I would I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the movie. I was super engaged the entire time to the point where I want to rewatch it, as I mentioned before, to actually dive into different scenes and, and see if there's more that I could pick up on. For me, there's one very specific thing that I wish I could dive back into because okay. it's the whole crux of the movie actually probably rests upon it. Well – so that well, let's. I would like to get into that. So all I'm saying is, I think I think this is worth a watch. Uh, if if you are, if you can deal with a little suspense, a little bit of gore, and a lot of bit of crazy, the like it's a lot of fun. It's it's and time. You need. You, I mean, it's a longish movie, and you feel it at and times. Focus. You gotta pay attention. It's a, it's a patience movie. It's a put yeah. your phone away, and this is what you're doing. You're sitting down. You're watching this movie. You're not getting up. And taking a break, and you're not watching. Oh, I'll watch yeah. it later. Like I, this is this is a sit down, watch the whole movie. Shut up. Like, I, yeah, exactly. And I, I will say, early on in the movie, as it was going, I was like, certain scenes were unfolding, and I was getting to the like, I was just getting to the point of like, all right, this needs to either, this needs either to change sequence or go somewhere, and they and then it cuts, and I'm like, thank God, because like there's certain points where you just can't take any more of the slow burn. It could have tightened a bit. Yeah, just it could have tightened. <laughs> I, I wish this was a visual medium that we did just yep. for when we break out that specific just joke just for that, that one. That'll be it when we make shirts. That's gonna, that'll be one of them. <laughs> on the on the front of it, it'll be you with your hands wide, and on the back, close together, and it'll just say "tighten." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, anything else before we get into the spoiler territory? No, not really. We can. We so can you, you you vouch for this movie? You think it's a good watch? Yes, I definitely enjoyed this movie. It was, even though I actually had much more prep for it than you did, mm-hmm. it was still very much not what I expected awesome. in a lot of ways. Well, with that being said, we are in the spoiler territory from here on out. We will be not holding, we will not be holding anything back. We, we will be not holding things back. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> can we listen or not? <laughs> yes. Yes, you're going to do spoilers or yes, we can listen. No. Oh wait, no. I'm I'm withholding it. Let's look at me getting off. <laughs> All right, we're in spoiler territory. So, can you? Would you like to uh, recap what you were actually talking about? The thing. No, that you uh, want to actually, go back? actually, I want to get into that a little later. There's sure. other stuff that we. I want to. There's other stuff organically we need to get through before. I'll let you know when I'm ready. Okay, to go. so I'm gonna let's start off like super early in the movie, like real early on, uh, with Nick Offerman, which like he's only in the movie for this this short period of time, and then again later at a flashback. But uh, he's in the hotel room. He's panicking a little bit. He's coming in hot. He's like runs into the room, closes the door. He, you know, sweats, building anticipations, building. We, we want to know what's happened, what he's done. You could kind of assume that he's up to like he's up to something. It's it's fairly nefarious obvious. intent, right? And with every step and breath that he takes, it's a cold, silent opening. And with every move that he makes, I am afraid that he's going to get shot through the door. What like, about with every breath he takes? Every, and every move that he makes. <laughs> That's what you said. That's why I said. <laughs> but he. Uh, well, no, it's not completely silent. He puts the he puts the radio. On. Well, up up until that point, it is. Okay. 
And he's, but what's interesting about it is I, I was really, I was, I, I was so focused on one particular thing that I thought was going to give it away. He's walking back and forth through the room. The lighting in the room is perfect to the point where you can see the light coming through the peephole. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting to see that go dark to let you know someone's behind the door. And it doesn't happen. Well, the great thing is, like you, I was also waiting the whole time for him to get shot up until the point that he actually gets shot. Yeah. Like I, when he finally gets shot was only a second or two after I finally relaxed and didn't expect him to get shot anymore. They nailed that. Yeah, I guess it was kind of the whole, like, family guy, the thing goes on for too long. Yeah. And then it comes back around. Oh, they did it. Yeah. Um, and and actually, you know, as we mentioned earlier about the whole the Tarantino vibe, um, that scene sets it up right off the table. You know what I mean? Like, they, it's, you got all the things. It's the single shot of this entire room. Yep. He's pacing back and forth. We get passage of time. We get a montage. We get turning on music, a soundtrack to the action, right? You know, quick cuts, you know, of time lapse of him doing a task of all of this. We don't know what the task is going to, to, to ultimately solve with like that. All of it seems like it's ripped right from the Tarantino playbook. Yeah, it was very much the it was the big pipe scene of this movie. If you've ever seen Inglorious Bastards, the opening sequence of it, Christoph Waltz is smoking a big pipe for a very long time, and you know something bad's going to happen. You know it's going to be horrible, and it Just takes like f- about fifteen minutes for it to happen, and it's grueling to sit through. It's just uh, it's it's horrible. This was a little bit more than that because you knew what the stakes were in that movie. And this, you have no idea. Like you, like you assume something bad's going to happen to him because they're like we're programmed that way, and the way that it's set up. And then when it when it finally happens, it's like ah, I knew it. But God, that took a long time. <laughs> and uh, what I didn't, what I had no idea what he was doing was when he was moving the furniture around. I was like, what, what is happening right now? First, I thought he was barricading the door. Then I thought he was moving. Well, first I actually thought he was moving the bed away from where it should be in the room. So if somebody shot into the room, they would miss him. That's what I thought at first. Then sure. I was like, oh, he's barricading the door. And then he's pulling up the carpet. I was like, you're losing me. And then he, <laughs> and then he moves stuff onto the other side of the room and rolled the carpet up further. I'm like, lost me. And then he starts pulling up the floorboards. And I'm like, okay, this seems like a and lot of I'm work. And I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm back. How are you going to get those back? And then he just starts putting them back. And I'm like, all right, I guess he was just being real careful. <laughs> Then he like you know nice and nice and tidy gets everything back together and then he dies. <laughs> and it's like oh man, <laughs> pretty brutally. Actually, let's talk about that real quick. Um, so yes, yeah, so that really that was a good indication for everything that was going to come next in the movie. Um, you were saying earlier about the thing about like the tension and yeah. like you felt like you're going to get a heart attack because of, yeah, the oh my god, what's going to happen? Yeah, what was giving me coronary issues was. <laughs> how heightened the audio was in big action moments, specifically mm. guns going off. And also that one time that uh, Chris Hemsworth pounds the, the poker table yeah. towards the end. Like that sounded like a gunshot. I, th- I actually thought we were going to look around and see someone got shot. Like maybe him, you know, it was yeah. one of those things where like he pounds the table and you think that's the action, but what the action really was, was he got shot and yeah. actually it would have been a good parallel considering how cool was that scene where she's singing. And every time she, claps yeah hits great thing. sequence tremendous um but yeah no the all of that was so heightened that every time there were times where i'm like 
I know in the next three seconds that person's gonna pull a trigger. Die! It happens yeah. again. Like, um, and also video, uh, even of some of those actions. Do you remember the episode of Family Guy where they steal the video reel to Passion of the Christ to crucify this from Mel yep. Gibson? Yep. And then they do the whole thing where they rip off the North by Northwest thing with the, the plane flying in over top of them and all, all that sort of stuff. And they're going through this, this chase scene. They're getting chased by priests and they're getting shot at in the car. And Peter says, this is way more intense than that time I forgot how to sit down. Yes. <laughs> and that's my that's my favorite cutaway of the entire show. I, I would when agree with that. It, it, it just It just cuts away to him standing in his living room, staring at his chair. And then he's just in the chair, spread-eagled, and the chair has been destroyed. It's amazing. And it was, like, because the beauty of that sequence, if you've never seen it, is the, the transition from him standing to in the chair. It's not instantaneous, but what it, they do is they... They pull frames. They pull, exactly. And it's They do so that in funny. this movie, I'm fairly sure. In some of the action scenes, some of the, the specific big moments of someone getting shot and someone getting punched, some of that, they, they must have pulled frames in this because I experienced it the same way as I experienced that cutaway. That seems fair. I think you might be right about that. I and would, I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not an expert in cinematography in any way, shape, or form, but that was exactly the way that my mind experienced it. And it happened multiple times in this movie where it was so sped up that it felt like my, my, my eyes had trouble – like sending that message to the brain where it's like it was something missing that they pulled frames from some of the things to make it such a sharp violent action that was going yep. on yeah how do and we make, how do we make this as fast and abrupt as possible without letting you miss anything yes like it's very clear that that person has been blown away but there's almost been doubt introduced because of like oh my god did i just see what i think i saw yeah it's like shotgun blast guy starts to move but then he's in the window like it's like whoa <laughs> and it's the same thing peter's standing there and then he's in the chair yeah exactly and uh, that was how i experienced a, not every single one but a lot of the scenes a lot yeah. of the action like the the really like crux of each action scene in that in that regard i was like i i don't i don't know the details here but it feels like that's what's going on <laughs> really crazy oh man there's um that opening sequence uh, in the hotel, not opening sequence, post, post preamble, <laughs> when, when they're when they're like all the those three characters show up in the hotel, which is like the real opening, like chapter one. Yeah, uh, that was that was a lot of fun to me. The two characters that was a whole Tarantino thing too, right? Having like chapters. I, I know the chapter in this case wasn't one, two, three. It was tied to person, a thing or thing, a person room. or a place. Yeah, yeah, that felt very Tarantino for sure. But uh, it's the introduction of so you have the father and you have um, what was her name uh, Darlene. Yes, they meet like meeting outside, you know, bantering back and forth. It's like okay, so far so good. Like these people seem these people seem fine, but you you do know on some level that they're not gonna be at this place if they're fine. Something's gonna be up with each person that we come across, right? It was like splitting the difference between everyone assembling in Clue and everyone assembling in Haunted Honeymoon, if anyone's seen that. <laughs> That's actually, the, the, yeah. Okay, I can see that. And then... Uh, if you've never seen Haunted Honeymoon, it's a ridiculous older movie. It's in the yeah. 80s, I think. 
or even maybe late yeah, 70s. I think it might be late 70s. It's pretty funny. Gene Wilder. I love that. Man. Dom, Dom DeLuise, Gilda Radner, like a whole bunch of like old funny people. Like it's a good time. It's a yeah. short movie too. Worth, worth the watch. Worth the watch for sure. Maybe we'll do one of those. <laughs> That'd be a good movie to go over. You know who we could get to, to guest co-host in that episode? My mom. She awesome. <laughs> loves that movie. <laughs> That's great. Uh, then we get a we get John Hamm behind the behind the bar making coffee, but doesn't he like not show up right away? Like how long is he behind the bar? He's like under the level of the bar for like I don't know, was it ninety seconds? Enough time that like uh, ninety seconds after the other two characters walk in, who knows how long he was there before? Right, exactly. Which I which leads me to believe that he was spying on them because as you find out. He, he works for the CIA. He was definitely spy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's like at first in in that context of that scene, it makes like there's no reason like why he would be down there. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, okay, maybe he's eavesdropping. Like that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Although if he was a spy, he wasn't a very good one. How long it took him to find the kid who works there? That's true. But part of me wonders if that was all like if he was just like feeling things out. I don't really know. Could be. Uh, he also, um, he also it, didn't want to blow like his temperament of kind of being lackadaisical. I'm just saying he could have walked behind the thing and knocked on the door. True. true. But when, when she does it though, like that's, and that's the first scene where we see Darlene being a boss, right? She, she's like, all right, I had none of this shit. She like flips the thing over and he just slams once on the door and the guy gets up. Actually, what's his name? John Hamm had the great, the best line. I guess she's got heavier hands than we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. He's also, he's also so rude and dismissive of her. Like, I know, uh, oh, like, what like what, what did he say? Are you the help or something like that? And then he asks her, like, if you, I, I bet you can help me sell, like, some of your friends would want some of these vacuums. And it was just, like, it's, like, so rude. But I mean, yes, it was, although of the time. it was 1969, no, so very much of the time. Of the time, but part of me believes that he's, it's because of the character that he's putting on. And then, like, as it goes on, I wouldn't actually expect that from the, the, the real person that he is yes, in the in movie. his role as vacuum salesman, that's what I expect, yes. Exactly. So, like, he has to do it. Although, like he, even within that, he softens shortly after towards her. That's, yeah, that's true. Then, <laughs> speaking of vacuum salesman that works for Hoover, that's pretty great. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciated that. Actually, I didn't even pick up on that, but that's a good point. <laughs> I was like, I, when, I, when I saw him... Uh, First, you see him open the case and the vacuum's in there, and then he goes on the call and he's talking to Hoover, and you're just like, nah, that's funny. <laughs> that's adorable. Um, his his character was interesting. One of the other characters that's actually... Larry M.C. Seymour Sullivan, right? Was that, that his name? I think so. One of the other characters, though, that's actually, for, for the most part, seems to be a good person, um, does not make it through this ordeal. Yeah. I would, what's that? Uh, are you talking about the, the kid who worked there? No, I'm talking about uh, John Hamm's character. Like he's he is a oh. good a good good person, father, husband, working for the government type thing. But he doesn't make it through, and it's because of his good nature that he doesn't make it through, which I thought was I mean, interesting. They, they could not have been clearer not to interfere. He, right, that true. And but he does because he sees something that he deems as wrong going on. Also, pro- also probably one of the very few. No pun intended. Misfires. Um, there was really no reason for her, her to blow him away. No. 
Um, let's. You want to talk about her for a second? I thought she was the weakest link in the movie. No, oh yeah, it, like by far. Um, it's funny. So I saw this movie yesterday, so that would make it Tuesday night. Um, and so on Saturday or Sunday morning, when I came downstairs, my dad was watching his favorite modern comedy, um, Step Brothers, and I walked in on the scene where the where Adam Scott and them are in the car, and he's they're singing "Sweet Child mm-hmm. of Mine." And he's when when his wife starts singing, he says, "Oh my God, you're so flat, you're so flat, and you, yeah, oh God, you don't even look good, you don't even look good while doing it. This is what I'm paying a thousand dollars a week for." And that's what stuck with me as I was watching this. Not the not looking good part, because Dakota Johnson's you know perfectly attractive, um, but she was so flat this whole fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, she was. It's it's unfortunate that when she was on screen delivering any sort of line or failed attempt at emotion that it breaks the experience that everybody else was giving you yes because uh, yes, especially much... when her counterpart the sister was absolutely terrifying yes and it's just like everybody else was bringing it up like dialed it up to 11 like and when you're coming in when you're coming with like a two manic. yeah it was, it was it was unfortunate i think that was just a really poor casting decision the only thing right about the casting decision is that they actually did look like sisters. That's fair. That's fair. I can see that. And I've never seen anything else. I don't think I've seen anything else that she's been in. I don't know if she's a good actress or not. I never watched the 50 Shades of Grey or anything like that. Um, yeah, she was just flat in this. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was difficult. It was difficult when she was on screen. Uh, but but yeah, like I, it actually pissed me off a little when she shot him. Yeah. Even like at that point, not knowing her whole backstory, there was just really no like because at the at that point we did know she wasn't kidnapping her, mm-hmm. so there was just really no reason for. It's a hundred percent out of character. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If anything, if it was the roles reversed, it would have ended up making sense at the end. If it was the younger one who shot him, right? We uh, when we see it and all of it, it would would have fit with. She's the one who, other than blowing him away, if she hadn't done that thing. In the end, she would have been someone that you would have rooted for to make it. Yep. I mean, despite the fact that she was annoying, she wasn't a bad person. She was trying to do something good. She didn't have any body count on her. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there was nothing up until that point. That's why it's, like, jarring. It just didn't – that's the one thing that really didn't fit in this whole puzzle. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, especially especially when you get those flashback sequences and the sister's fighting somebody and – She's super cringing at what's happening. Yeah. Right. And well, it's and not, we, it's not just see, because her sister's the... fighting, but it's also like you can tell it's like it's just in a, like she's adverse to violence, it seems. Yeah. Although we see the fraternal protection thing where like because the whole thing we get the flashback of her as a young, young girl. She tries to protect the younger sister uh, from the, the abusive father. Yeah. Um, and obviously when she joins the cult, she's doing it to try and get her out. Um. So I understood it from that standpoint. So if he actually did anything to jeopardize it, then I would have understood it. Right. But she had him stuck up with the gun. And he was and being just, he was being protective. Well, no, but even that part of it, like like she had him, he let go of her, he's standing there, hey, let me talk. She just shoots him. Like there's yeah. nothing, like there was no he didn't like if he lunged or something, then I would have totally got it. The only thing that that sequence did is it made for really like a really clever reveal 
of yes, it the did. Hotel. It did set up the story. Interesting, you know, when you see someone finally, you know, it, like reveal to them the nature of the two way mirrors, and oh shit, this this has got fucking levels, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, other than that, from like an actual like her like shooting him in that moment did not make any sense to me. No, I could could not agree more. <laughs> also, she was just terrible. Yes, that too. Uh, yeah, but like I said, that creep show little sister was terrifying. Yes. And gets more and more creep. Like, a scene that is completely unnecessary is her jumping on the chandelier. Yet at the same time, terrifying. Don't know why. Made my skin crawl. <laughs> it was okay, interesting. Uh, now, for me, it just kind of felt like it, it deepened the portrait that we're already seeing. Because she just starts off as kind of seeming creepy and off. And we know she's under sway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we see how unhinged she is later on. It like depth, it, like further depth to that whole like situation, um, and like you said, she kind of pretty much nails it from start to finish. Um, she does the quiet, creepy early on, and the fully unhinged, yeah. and she's convincing every step of the way. The conversation on the phone, yeah, is... the, that's what made my skin crawl. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That was not that was not comfortable. Because uh, in that moment, you're like, oh, she's not just like having been kidnapped in Stockholm Syndrome, like, she's all the way in. Yeah, she's all in. <laughs> then going, uh, pulling back for a minute and going all the way, all the way back to the early parts of the movie, the, um, what was his name? Miles. The, the, the manager, the, the house cleaning, the, uh, bartender? the bartender, the everything, the only, the only employee at the El Royale. What a great intro to this, wacko early on to the point where he's where he does the uh the explanation of the el royale and like the two different sides of it and then when the next person walks in he goes oh right and he opens the thing and he goes to do the entire spiel again and i was just like like you see that coming from a mile away but when it happens it's still like okay all right i'm gonna give you that that, that's way to stick to the bit man exactly (laughs) and then the uh the charging the quarter for the coffee and like each person he has to tell, like he's 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 paying attention, he's observant, which is, uh, I mean, I think that's actually that's kind of letting you know a little bit about him up front that maybe you wouldn't have, like you don't think about until after the fact. Yeah, quite the story, right? He was he ended up being like kind of the most emotionally resonant like storyline in all of it, where it's like. Yeah. Oh, like he's just kind of there doing his quirky little thing, and he's like an oddball or whatever. And then, like the amount of like heart to that story is kind of like the heart of the story. Watching yes. the rise and fall of this person, who in the beginning you're like, I'm, he's the comedic relief. It's whatever, you know. And it's like, no, there is real stuff going on there. Right, right. So what I was pointing out with him getting like noticing like each person needed to pay for their coffee was like what we're that's foreshadowing of him being an eagle eye right yeah and then you get a little bit more of that when they do another flashback sequence but like yes he like you've mentioned comic relief all this stuff but then i don't know 20 minutes later we get a scene of him with a needle in his arm and you're like okay this guy's tormented too i wonder what his story is and like it unfolds and they really hold off telling you what the story is too they do and they do it in such a good way where it the payoff in the end is so good though the paid off in, in probably the most unexpected way. Yeah. Of all of these ridiculous, unexpected storylines. Yep. Uh, especially, well, part of it was I thought they were playing him for being younger. Yeah. 
Um, I, I thought he was supposed to be more like the 17, 18 year old type of kid. And he, if, you know, if he had gone to serve in Vietnam, he obviously would have had to been a little older than that. Well, mm-hmm. admittedly you can go serve quite young, especially in that war. Um, but it's clear he was several years removed as well. Yeah. So that was a little confusing. Yeah. And I think it was, I think that the intention there for me, I believe is that like you show him as you show this innocence seemingly young in age, but this person has seen more shit than anybody in this room. Pretty much. Yeah. Which was, which is a really cool thing to not know until that, oh, that sequence when he says I've killed too many people. And Darlene says, how many people have you killed? And he gives her an exact number like that. That ooh, like that was well, the thing a, is, I was still so unver- so unprepared for what his story was going to be that I'm like, oh, my God, he's like a full on serial killer. What has he been doing in this goddamn hotel? I thought it was just spying. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the yeah, that's I, funny. I'm picturing it like a fucking like like psycho Norman Bates type of storyline or like a hotel hell where it's like that the sausage like. That could have been that could have been like a crazy, funny alternate thing that happened. I, for I me, thought they were going twisted, not tortured. The the tortured was the first thing that jumped. Up. I I actually when he said that, I just assumed I I had pe- like rapidly pieced together the shooting of the birds and the heroin, and I was like, oh, oh uh, yeah, the flashback right. sequence. And uh, I think that was I think that was before. But oh no, 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 but that happened. That happened that's, after. That's after. I was piecing together different pieces of it, but like the torture thing made sense to me, and I was like, I just assumed, especially with um, you know, they had Nixon on the TV a few times, and I was like, oh, like this kid's probably been to war, and then they jump right into it, and they show uh, you those when, when they said 120. When he said 123, it's like that's such a specific number. That serial killer shit, where you know, like you keep like yeah a long. tally. He like, yeah. he, he, like, rolls his arm, his sleeve up, and he's got, like, like 127 track marks, and you're like, like oh, you're doing something it. different in there. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, Dexter with his blood slides, where it's, like, yeah. he has one for each one, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you know the number, not, like, you know, like, hundreds, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, like, the, okay, I've killed a lot of people. Eh? Right. When you give me a specific number, that's usually a war thing. You don't always necessarily know exactly how many people you've killed if you've seen extensive action in war. Yeah. Now, he was a sniper, so that actually ends up making sense after all of that. But in the moment, I'm not thinking Vietnam sniper. I'm thinking, well, you have all these very detailed logs, and we've been taking recordings of audio and video and everything, all of that. Like, you've been killing a lot of these people here too, <laughs> and you know every single one of them. <laughs> now, uh, in the same nature of this movie, let's jump back again to the the sequence that I was talking about earlier of what I consider to be Jeff Bridges' Oscar-worthy se- scene, his monologue to. Uh, to Darlene, so Father Daniel Flynn given his the monologue. The first time he tells her about the dementia or whatever. Yes, and what I love about that is he's playing. He's still playing the father card, but he's also delivering this line, this whole this whole story about. Well, his he's dementia. he's in character, but still revealing something about his true nature. Right, and I think that's what was most impressive to me about it was that he was able to do that, and it's you know you understand. Like I, I'm assuming you probably felt the same way. This guy's not on the level. I'm, I'm not trusting the father piece like early on, right? Well, on top of the fact that in the trailer you get him saying, "I'm not actually a priest." I actually don't even remember that. That's another time that the that was in the full happened. trailer. Um, you just don't get the context at that point, right? That's true. 
Okay. Well, either way, like I'm not buying that, but I am buying this piece that he's losing it, that he can't remember these things. And I was Which like, is basically what she says at the end too, right? Like he says, "You really believe in any of this?" He goes, "She said that much I do." Yes. That part, yeah. And that's, and that's what's incredible to me is because that is a a testament to his acting, I believe. Because delivering that is regardless of if you're paying close enough attention to the story, if you don't believe that Jeff Bridges not Father Daniel. If you don't believe that Jeff Bridges has Alzheimer's or dementia at that point, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, because he he sold that like the tears in his eyes, the ticks of his face while he was like, it was so incredible face acting, including in, oh. in addition to vocally what he's done, changing his pitch and tone during all of that. Incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Like that's that is a scene that I would I would want to watch over and over again and just analyze every little piece of it. Yeah, that's the scene that they show during like when they say you know our nominees are like they show that clip. Yeah, exactly. That that would I be don't think it would be like the be nominated uh, for this, but that would it would be worthy of it. Absolutely. And it's actually kind of the same way I was thinking about it just recently, and I hadn't even got to see it again, um, so I don't even know why I was thinking of it, but. Um, the the scene from the last Jedi when Luke explains what's probably the real truth of the confrontation between him and Kylo Ren in the hut. That one scene there, by far the finest mm. bit of performing that Mark Hamill's ever done. Yeah, like you you can feel it in that moment. Mm-hmm. I've never I, when as a younger man he wasn't really much of an actor, um, and he but became he, an incredible got, voice actor. Obviously, yeah. um, that really actually impressed me in that scene as well. And it was that similar, like bearing your soul, like yeah. I'm finally stripped and laid bare everything that I've been hiding, all the pretenses. You know what I mean? What I what I love about that even more though is because because he's a, officially captivated me. Whereas even if I know that he's not on the level, and like I still believe that this piece of it's real, which ends up being the case. But what I love about it even more is it further shows you how much of a badass Darlene is because you ain't pulling shit. Over her, <laughs> like she, well, the great thing is she believed that part of it at that point, right? Yes, and still had the wherewithal to realize or be observant enough that he was he was doing something shady. And then that's that's one of those scenes, one of the jump scenes, where the way that that shot that's almost like one of those scenes where they they like it feels like you skip a frame. The distance between the jukebox and him. Although I do like that they end up explaining it because I felt that way. They explain it later. They show the different shot from the different perspective later. Yeah. She left her heels there so yes. she could sneak up on him. Yep. That was actually really a good, a nice great attention to detail. detail thing. And again, a, a similar reason to why I think they there's got to be more to this whole Nevada, California thing. Whether not necessarily the states themselves, but the, the separation of the line of the hotel. I feel like they. I don't think there's anything that was done in this movie that was done just as like as a novelty or something like that. Well, the only thing I could think of, which is immediately undone by what happens, is I know that state by state laws on recording people is different as far as oh, where they okay. would be admissible in court. But California is the one where I think it's a one party consent. But they were doing that all in the Nevada suites. The Nevada suites had the Nevada suites had the uh, the audio bugs, and the California side had the camera. Was it? I, I honestly, I'm, I, pr- I'm pretty I, sure. I remember more than one of them were staying on the Nevada because I remember seeing him pull the keys that had the Nevada piece on the key. 
Oh, I, you know what? I think I, I flipped that. Okay. I had that reverse. But one side had one, and I think one side had And that's other. what I'm saying. Like, that was the one thing I was thinking during the movie until I realized that that was the case. I was like, okay, and then even that's not yeah. it. So. Oh, you know what? Here's another great piece of cinematography. The sequence where um, – what was what was uh, John Hamm's name? Laramie Seymour Sullivan. The sequence where he where he gets shot, doing that se- doing that scene three times, once in the room, once from behind the glass, once from outside, seamless. Like it makes me like I I I would believe you if you told me that they set up the three cameras and did it all at once. Yes, which it, is probably what they did. I would imagine so. It's so it because it feels seamless. Yeah. And it, I like, and just like it's almost like like the metronome in the room, like later on, like it's just like on point. It's just like this, or at crazy... least two of them. The one behind the glass probably didn't have to because you don't actually see it happen. Well, you do. You see line delivery though. There's they do show you the characters on screen delivering lines to each other. No, I'm talking about the one when where it's it's from the perspective of. Doc the priest, the priest, father, and yes. he's he's looking down the corridor, so you yes. can't see into the room. Right, you can't not during that, but right, but prior to that, when the kid is looking through the glass, and the two characters are talking to each other. Yes, you're right. That scene, is probably all part of the same scene, you're which right makes there. me wonder if they like ignoring like the down the hall sequence, which could have been shot separately. If they had a, if they had three, like a three camera setup, probably. Why the hell not? I just, like because that would again that that would be beautiful attention to detail, really well done. I imagine you'd be able to tell pretty quickly if they didn't do that. If you were to go back and rewatch the movie and like go through those scenes one at a time, because yeah. like anything could be off, like the placing of someone's foot or hand or like just the timing. Yeah, like it. it I imagine it would, I would love to know for sure because that would be really interesting to me. But again, that that piece is is excellent. Well, so okay, now that we've hit this all because. I could have jumped in with it at any point, but I guess now is as good a time as any since we just recently talked about that whole sequence shooting him and the whole thing with the speech about the dementia. Yeah. There's two instances in this movie where I'm curious, and there could be more, but there was two that stuck out in my mind about considering the way these stories were told from different perspectives and it's like kind of this nonlinear chapters – um, you know, since it's not one, two, three, and we yep. see the scenes circle back around from different perspectives, we get new context and all that. I, I wondered about whether we have unreliable narrators, one or more potentially. Um, I'll start with one that's a little on the lesser side. Um, the, the the flashback because it's never it's never really explained. Mm. The the scene with Rose killing someone with a knife. Yeah. Um, because we get that like first flash to it where it's her standing the knife and then we see it again later and the knife's covered in blood and there's a body and it's actually, it's an intentionally done thing, right? Where he says, Oh, that, and they flash to it and then they come back and he says, yeah, we have to deal with that whole situation. Or did she tell you that whole situation or something like that? But we never end up hearing that whole story. And I wonder whether the details of all of that, like someone knows, someone doesn't know. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you I, you do know that was on the news at one point. 
Was that what that was supposed yeah. to be? I, I I wasn't sure. It was just because of like location and stuff like that. It was the body covered with a sheet, and they were like taking it off while they were like massacre or blah 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 blah. Well, like I, I they were talking. I guess you're about probably that. right because they said it was in Malibu, right? Yeah. So I guess yeah, the, that was. You know what? I I think I misheard it the first time because they did that two or three times. They showed that news report much earlier in the movie before we get anything on the road yes. situation. I the first time they showed, it, I actually. I, even though they said Malibu, I think I processed it as them saying Maui. Hmm. So I thought it was in, in Hawaii, obviously. Gotcha. Um, and then they said Malibu again later. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then much later they did the whole, and it was, you know, again, we're do we get a uh, in color flashback and it was a black and white TV, this and that. Um, and they obviously don't show it up close. Um, so yeah, that makes sense of tying that all together. I'm still curious as to why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what the relevance? Because it seemed like there was more story to tell because of the way where he's like, oh, yeah, like, did she tell you about that type of thing? Like, it seemed like we were supposed to know more. Right. Maybe. Um, so that's what I was wondering whether it was one of those, like, did she actually kill the person? Did someone else? Is it one of, like, was it one of those rite of passage things being part of the cult? Mm, Is it a thing they had to just cover up because she went off the reservation? Right. And that's where that whole, that unreliableness came in. Okay, but that's a little bit less important than another one. Um, the whole thing with Felix's death. Felix's death. Oh, yes. What about it? We never got closure on who killed him. That's a good point. That, I can, well, for that one, it could be a weird accountability thing, because if, if you were to think that the flashback sequences are the story told by the person who it relates to, the person that who it relates to doesn't have the wherewithal to have a full working memory of what happened. Sure. But I present to you a situation that I was curious about, and this is what made me interested about the idea of an unreliable narrator. We see that whole scene and it's purposely shot with that wide angle lens from, from like zoomed out. You know what I mean? And they do that whole thing. And the way it goes down is he's paranoid, right? He's hiding this money. He's on the run. They've just finished this job. It didn't go according to plan. We don't know this yet, but we obviously put that together later on. Um, Someone knocks on the door he grabs his gun, he sneaks up, looks at the peephole. Okay. He opens the door and he's got the gun off to the side behind the door so you can't see it. So the person coming through the door can't see it. Yeah. We can't see the person coming through the door. We see the silhouette of the person, but he's got jacket pulled up tight. He's got a hat. Yep. With wide brim covering his face. And he then beckons him in with the gun. So he's yeah. comfortable displaying the gun to the person coming in. Yeah. He, he turns around and gets blown away from behind. And that's the end of what we see. We just see this tall figure standing there who had just pulled a shotgun out of nowhere and blew him away. And then we get Darlene pulling up to the thing. And we see another sh- like jarring image as she's getting up and she walks away. And there's a tall man with his jacket pulled up facing away from us towards the door. Yeah. And it's meant to be a jarring kind of similarity, this this symmetry. Yep. 
as we were introduced to Father Flynn for the first time. And I wonder whether or not he killed Felix. I don't... I don't think so. Well, at the time, that's what I wondered because we don't know who he is yet. Right. Then eventually we find out his brother. It's like, okay. Then we see the flashback. You know, we see the whole flashback. We come up with this plan. You're going to go to the El Royale. We're going to meet. Um, you know, we'll come and get the money after I lose this heat, get rid of this car, blah, blah, blah. And we find out about him and his dementia. And we realize that he's losing a lot of trivial and not trivial details in his memory. I couldn't remember what room we were supposed to meet in. Yeah. This and that. We start finding out the depth of it. The mo- one, Another very powerful scene that he acts out. Um, he says something. I, you know, I don't really recall who I am. And then later on, Billy asks him his name. And he can't remember. That was brutal. Brutal to watch. And it was in that moment that I wondered... Again, having discarded it previously, did he meet up and kill him, leave the money there because he knew he may still have to deal with the heat? And by the time he comes back around 10 years later, the dementia taking over at this point, does he remember that he killed him? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Because that stark imagery of you see the tall person in the doorway who's just shot him. And then the next time we see it's the the mirror image from like behind a man standing in front of the door from yeah. behind. Yeah. No, that's a really that is interesting. I would I would want to rewatch those scenes and see if there's any indication. That's what I was looking for. To I wanted to watch it again to just see that first couple minutes of the movie, and I couldn't find that clip online yet. It didn't cross my mind at the time, but now that you bring it up with those pieces in play. There's so many details accounted for in this movie that these details to be unaccounted for is what made me think about it. Yeah, I guess we we also we don't know when he started to experience dementia. We do know he was experiencing it in jail. Yes. But we do know that that was a while into his sentence. Yes. Well. And I'm not saying that. He didn't like know that. He, like what I'm saying is like I don't. I wonder whether he remembers that if it's if his mind, the combination of the dementia and the emotion involved with it, and the time that's passed, he forgot his own name. Yeah, but he have twisted to the point that he forgot that he killed, like that he tried to bury it away. I don't know. That it, it was you know because he says something interesting. in the moment of oh yeah we might have been burned by the crew. So we've already been established. Oh someone may have betrayed them once maybe someone else betrayed him again but when and I, this is another part i have to rewatch that exact scene when they come up with the plan where he says i'll take the truck you go take the money did they ever even say then specifically like did they say that the plan was prearranged or did they give the specifics of the plan in that moment i don't remember because if they did who else would have known where he went the the other guy i think that guy got left behind I thought that the two of them ran off and then split up. While... It could be, but, but, then, but Felix gets to the hotel on his own. And, and Doc only says the words to him. That's a really good point. Man, I don't know. Neither do I. That was, that, that's really the biggest reason why I want to rewatch this is to, to test that theory. Because I even looked up online to see if anyone else like, addressed this. 
And I saw someone else, like, it was like, a, I don't know, it was like a message board. Like, it might have been on Reddit. Someone, is it a plot hole or something? Or it might have been an article. On it. Was, is it a plot hole that we didn't find out who killed Felix or something like that? And no one brought up the specifics of what I did, like, shining any sort of potential blame on Doc. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, am I overthinking it or did I miss something? Or am I misremembering something? Because it's such a long movie. There's no, I, going I don't. I don't think you're over. I don't think so. I. I I'm really curious now. Though and I'm not going to be able to think about anything else. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's why I didn't want to get this into it too early. Because I know no, it's no. kind of rail the flow. But I, this sure. is the most interesting thing that I pulled out of it. Mm, no, that's really good. I. I would like to know that. <laughs> Me too, and I. I think it's something that maybe we'd be able to find out with a like. A few more weeks of it yeah. remaining, like you know, like people getting online talking about it more, or at least theories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. People that maybe have gone back to see it more than once. I defy yeah. you to have answers to these questions after seeing it <laughs> once. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have it. I need to yeah. study it a little bit more to get that. Um, but that was what I I found really really interesting from that whole thing was, like. We played with so many other tropes in this movie that having the unreliable narrator, when we think about the specifics of some of what's going on, seems very much par for the course. Mm-hmm. And it's like the one last true mystery of the movie. It's ah, so interesting. I like that. <laughs> oh my god! I really, yeah, I want to know more. I'm sorry, I, I like threw you down the street. No, room. that's fine. That's, back that's out great. A little later, easier. No, I know. I, I knew you would enjoy talking about it. Um, and I wasn't sure if maybe if you had picked up on it, or if maybe if I was missing something that you'd remember that you'd be able to help me put I, the, the puzzles together. I took it at face value. Okay. Of him, which, which, which I was doing for most of the movie as well until he forgot his name. Right. And then it all came flooding back to me. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Oh boy, that one's uh, that one's gonna keep me from falling asleep. I'm sorry, I went too deep on this one. That's yeah, great. I love it. I love things like this. Let's so talk good. about how the El Royale is its own character in the movie. Okay. Does, Did you feel that way as well? Um, sorry, I was trying to pivot away from that because I feel like I I was gonna lose you completely. I wanted to no, to pull the back. I I don't always follow. I, there, there are certain times where, like, I could see that, like, statements like that, where, like, the I know it's the kind of a cliche on its own, but I it's don't appropriate in this case. I don't know how. If you, I don't, I don't, I don't see it off the bat, or I can't give you, I can't give you a reason why I would say that off the bat for this. Well, for me, it's more just kind of how this setting feels fully realized. You know what I mean? Like we talked some about about like how this, like, the symmetry or that yin yang like synergy like like that whole thing was set up the we kind of the whole thing with the jukebox and the soundtrack the, mm-hmm. the soundtrack just being this through line throughout the course of the movie and and how ultimately as you were saying whether it be california nevada ultimately didn't matter so much but with, uh, except insofar as the mythos like pulling the people in like we get some like funny witty little banter at the beginning of oh how's california treating you yeah. and this and that and that uh billy lee's um arrival with him walking the line yeah in kind of being the bridge to this whole thing and you know just kind of the whole yeah 
the aspect of the co- the corridors and all these mysteries. What's behind this door that we haven't gone behind yet? Oh, it's a heroin addict. Oh, what's behind this door? Oh, it's a corridor to is a perf hotel. I like that. I kind of like that. That was a running joke. Yeah. Is this some sort of perf hotel? <laughs> yes, that was good. that was good. What? Oh, what, what, what do you think? End, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. It's got to be some sort of perf hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so ridiculous. But go on about it being a character. I don't. Well, I, I meant. I, sorry, I was. I guess I was more opening it up to, to discussion. I was wondering if you had thoughts on that, or if that's not something you experienced in any way, shape, or form. I didn't experience that. Uh, okay. I thought that I did. I thought the setting was interesting. I did think it. Uh, it didn't. I, it didn't leave me questioning this. The world building. I just accepted it for what it was, and it was. They did a good enough job, of explaining it. I thought, okay. and like revealing, like revealing it deeper and deeper as we get into like the manager's room, and then this weird sliding door into this this crazy darkness that's happening behind the scenes. Um, I I liked the idea of it. I liked what was happening there, and like how it it set up this crazy set for these this wacky story to unfold in. I am curious, just who exactly this management was. So am I. I was wondering where that was going because if you had told me that this stuff was going on, I'd be like, oh, it's like it's probably the CIA. And it's like, oh, no, the CIA also has been operating here. And we find out that someone has kind of taken control of that situation away. Mm-hmm. Right? That this is kind of an idea that this, like someone at some point must have realized that the CIA was doing this and took it a step further. Right. And the CIA is like, oh, we've created something that we're no longer in control of. But I wonder who, what interests that yeah, served. I, I, would, you know, I would like to know who management is. Considering, you know, 1969, the timeline of it, you know, Cold War, I wondered if this was going to turn into a Russian angle eventually, right? Because, like, that mm-hmm. would make sense. Yep. Uh, we're a little past the time where it would be the actual McCarthyism, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we already have the Hoover aspect, um, and that ends up, they end up being the small fish in the pond. Right. Which is unexpected. Yeah, that that whole thing that that just like created intrigue. It was it is it's curious. It doesn't really end up being, I guess, I don't think it ends up being super important because it doesn't really have a bearing on what ends up happening story wise. But it is cool to think about like, hmm, who is this other player? This unknown player? No, you're right. It's just that's one of the two things, and the bigger of the things really that left with like I left questioning was. Yeah. Well, what was that all about? You know yeah. what I mean? Who killed Felix um, and who is management? Well, no, the Felix thing is a different thing entirely. I, no, the other thing I was actually mentioning was just who the videotape was of. I assumed it was JFK. Which, a very fair assumption. But actually, it could have been one other person as far as I could see. Uh, I ended up being left. And I think actually, ultimately, they choose to leave the person unnamed so that you are left with some doubt as to who it is, it could also have been Martin Luther King. Interesting. Both of them were assassinated within a year of each other. And both of them were ideological men known to have had affairs who, like I said, were assassinated in the mid-60s. And like that's why you know I was uh, I thought it was JFK the whole time too until 
um, Darlene's speech towards the end where she says the whole thing about it's probably some man who said a lot of things who yeah. thought they meant something, believed in something. It could have applied just as equally to either of those two. That's and maybe maybe other people as well, but those two in particular, and you talk the mid-60s, people who want people wanted dirt on, specifically who Hoover wanted dirt on, right. both, of those, both of those men, um, people who ideologically thought they meant a lot of, you know, had like big followings, this and that applies to both men. People who had a were well known to have had affairs, applies to both of those men. Oh, I know that guy. Someone being recon- instantly recognizable, do, and he's dead. You know, applies to both of those men at that time. Do you know anything about Martin Luther King? Uh, do you know anything about his finances? What do you mean? Because I would assume that like a JFK affair would have been more a high profile location than the El Royale. Well, it seems like it was a fairly ritzy place. I guess that's true. You have to take the time into consideration. For the it, time. It, it was actually ritzy. like that honeymoon suite, for example. Yeah, was pretty pretty ritzy with the hot tub. That, yeah. was, that was a silly scene with him sitting in there, wondering where the rest of the bugs are. That was kind of yes. funny. Yeah, <laughs> that sequence was pretty cool. Him trying to find all of them. Uh, but also, the other thing is, um, if you want to go off the grid to carry out a high profile affair, that's the type of place you would go. True. Even if you're the president, especially in the 1960s. Right. Sorry. I just, this just dawned on me after, like, as we were talking about the, uh, the bug sequence, I didn't realize until now, I thought it was two parts of a bug, but he was pulling out two bugs in each location. Yeah. I was wondering about that too. Like I, when I was first watching it, I thought, well, I basically, what I thought it was, was it was like a primary and secondary in case one of them failed. The other one was a backup. Right. Until I realized like that they were matched pairs. Each one was the same exact thing. And you realize that he seems concerned with it all. Yeah. And he di- he dialed. Well, the thing is, at first, I just assumed he was someone doing spying and just knew what to look for. <laughs> I do spying. <laughs> I do spying. Um, and then at the end, when he when when he calls and it's very obvious he's called the CIA, it's like, oh, okay, he's realizing things are not okay. And that's yeah. what it ends up being. And that's why I thought the whole Russian angle would probably play into it, but I, I ended up pro- possibly being wrong. I, like I said, we, we never found out. Yeah. But those are the two big the, the two big mysteries, other than this whole thing about whether or not Doc killed Felix. Yeah. The, those two mysteries kind of tied together. Who is management and, to a lesser extent, who is the person on the film? Because I think it just as easily could be either of those two guys. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't give it much thought. I guess it doesn't really make... It doesn't it's, matter. It doesn't matter. Burn but, it, and I think that's kind of the important thing. Is like you get the picture, you kind of get what it's all about, but it doesn't really matter. We don't need to relitigate all that stuff fifty years later. Yeah, it, it's basically what Darlene says. It's like you know, what like it doesn't matter who's on it. Like why unveil this thing? Some guy did something. <laughs> it was really. It's she's 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 so done with just the bullshit of the world. <laughs> it's it's really it's really great. And like you said like you know, like she is like the soul of the movie, right? Yeah. Um she's the one that we end up rooting for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're rooting for Doc some just because it's I mean, a few things. One, it's Jeff Bridges. Um two, he had such a compelling story. Three, he 
pull some badassery of his own through it all. But yeah, in the end, you know he's a crook. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. you genuinely feel for. The and he his character creates some of the most emotional sequences in the movie. Like the uh, like you know we already talked about his monologue, which is amazing. But the end sequences with Miles, like or the multiple times Miles tried to confess to him, and that that uh, him Miles coming to terms with the fact that he's going to be killed tonight. And then still trying, and then not being being so innocent to a level where he still doesn't realize that this guy is not a priest. Yes. Until it has to be told to him, and it it like it completely shatters him. Actually, that scene kind of fits with. Um, it reminded me of uh, Galaxy Quest when, which yeah. is funny considering you sent me that picture recently of. Of. You have saved us. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, not him. Uh, of, the, of the bad guy from that, Saris. Saris, I think his name was. When they're interrogating him and he says, tell Bye. him or I will. Yep. Yeah, it's the same thing. Tell him or, you know, it's, th- this deception is obvious to everyone else except for you. Yeah. Um, And that was pretty heartbreaking because you could see how tortured he yeah. was at that point, like Miles was. And, and it, it was actually ended up being a nice moment that he gives him what he's looking so for so good oh that sequence is horribly heartbreaking yes but especially because uh, that's the point where you finally feel a connection to that character yes and then he pulls off the very much unexpected saves the day um and the worst part about it was the whole time you see it coming a mile away oh yeah you know it's and it's, it's heartbreaking that he can't because it's like how does everyone else everyone else like has to know right it has yeah. to know she's gonna snap and kill him Please stay as far away as possible. Oh, God, we've all seen the flashback of her stabbing the shit out of someone. No one else knows this except for her and Billy and maybe uh, Emily because, you know, she's trying to put two and two together with that whole storyline, which, we again, we never really got a kind of closure on. Whatever, whatever unimportant, I suppose. Um, and he's got the gun, and he's not just going to hold off and shoot this girl because she seems like innocent young girls, and he doesn't know any better he should have been able to pick up on what's going on based on the conversation happening in that room, mm-hmm. that she is not to be trusted in any way, shape, or form. Um, let alone to put my gun down and go console her after I just killed the guy that she's in love with. Terrible. Terrible. And, that just that just plays to the innocence of the character, which is it's just unfo- it's just so it's sad. And like but right before we get right before it all goes dark and sad. We do get this ridiculous sequence of unmissed shots where like Deadshot enters the movie and he's just popping people off one at a time. But like just this crazy accuracy. Again, another scene where it does seem like they might have pulled frames from. Yes. It's like snap, pop, snap, pop. Like he's just in different locations shooting. Yes. It's um, but, but there's also, movement, which is weird. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. Also, what I found interesting about all that was a lot of the times the break to a flashback it felt on time and mm-hmm. like there was a certain beat to it and this thing like they held off for so long before finally giving us the payoff and then it's like oh god we've reached the climax of the movie you actually have to wait a little while we have to tell you a story yeah like, oh, no what is going on <laughs> About this, but no, what's going on right there? Right. <laughs> oh my god. 
That's about, like everything is on fire. Okay, fine. Tell me, quick, quick, quick. Tell me, tell me what's going on. <laughs> it's so. What's so? It's like kind of. It's like it's really sad about the character of Miles. Is like he's. I feel like he's on this seesaw the whole movie of like, not wanting to die, but also not wanting to live anymore <laughs> with what he's done. And it's like this horrible back and forth that ultimately ends up in him dying. But it's just. It's just everything, everything about it, like any death is sad, but everything about it leading up to it and like building on that character and then giving you all that information right before it happens really does drive the point home of how sad it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's beautifully done. Yes. Oh, man. So you want to talk a little bit about Billy Lee? Sure. So, uh. I think they just like like get high and walk funny, and then we'll we'll shoot around you. Uh, but also, he, as often as possible, we will let you have your shirt unbuttoned because you have right. to you have to take the maximum amount of advantage of you in Thor shape on screen. Yeah. Let's 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 be serious, man or woman, straight or gay. You, everybody wants to be that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to be that or be with it. <laughs> what is the uh, in the Anchorman? Men, women want to be with him. Men want to be him. Yes. <laughs> oh man! But uh, he's he's creepy. He's creepy to a level of uh, it reminded me. Well, not just thematically because of the cult thing, but the the creep show factor of it did remind me of the following. Okay. Of certain uh, of certain times where you actually finally get what was it? The guy, the Joe something, Joe Chill. No, nope. No, that's that's Batman. Uh, <laughs> what was his name? It was definitely Joe. Joe, somebody. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, he uh, that, that, that that was the show. That's a Tim Allen movie, isn't it? What? Joe, somebody. Anyway, uh, on the following, a, another. It was a cult. If you're not familiar with it, uh, Kevin Bacon, this other guy who's. Actual name in the in the show I can't fully remember. I know it's Joe, and I can't remember the actor's name. But he he did a really good job of playing a James creep show as Purifoy. well. What was it? James Purefoy. Yes, he did a he did an I thought he did a great job in that show. But he oh, yeah, um, he's a good actor. That uh that just that creepy factor of like of commanding the creepiness when you're on screen. He did it. I thought he did a really good job of that. Uh, at times, I I kind of felt like it ran hot and cold at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Joe Carroll is his name. Joe Carroll, not Joe Chill. That's really funny. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Joe Chill. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I I could see that. Um, it was Joe Carroll by way of Val Kilmer as, what's his name? Jim Morrison. (laughs) Okay. There was kind of a him as Jim Morrison in, in the the movie that's, about him. That's <laughs> funny. With the whole the white shirt and it unbuttoned and this and that and kind of a maybe even a just tinge of Johnny Depp as yeah. uh, just a, Captain Jack Sparrow with the because just the arms a out puff of shit, weed like, and a tinge of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> that 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 portrayal fueled by cocaine and evanescence. <laughs> goodness uh <laughs> but all right so what what didn't work for you 
uh, I don't know. There's just times where he felt small. But isn't that isn't that the point though? No, not in the way that I think you're thinking. In the way that she revealed to the the way that Darlene revealed. Um, no, I just thought there was there was moments where yes, he had that charisma. Everything was in relation to him. And there was times where that illusion felt broken, but not in the room when he's quote unquote in power. I mean, like scenes prior to that, where it just felt like the illusion broke. Mm. I, I don't know why it's hard to describe. There's a certain um, bits of it that didn't work for you. Yes. Yeah. It just, I don't know. Like, like, there was, was like at the camp or yes, that, that extended sequence at the camp. I think I would agree with that. He didn't come into his own until the fi- until the third act sequence. Well, the first scene where we see him walk down the beach and he's talking to her for the first time, all flowed right, I think, because mm-hmm. it's that whole reeling her in yep. thing. Um, which actually, that is what I'd be a little curious about, how that whole relationship started. That is where some of, there was some untapped backstory that I could have I used. Wasn't that it? How did she end up on that beach with that guy? She wasn't with the guy when she ended up on the beach, was she? He he walked up to her on the beach. She was just on the beach. It felt like there was a sense of purpose to the meeting. That it wasn't pure chance. I I thought it was chance. I thought it was uh because he it's almost you know, he's kind of guessing at where she's from and all this stuff. Yeah, but it just feels it felt like more than serendipity. Hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know. It seemed more that it seemed like something more than a chance meeting. Okay. I don't know why. Um, it, that's just how I I I processed that scene. Um, but yeah, no. Once it got like that whole thing, I totally got it. Where he is the whole world to her in that moment, right? And they yeah. they really they do it with him having. You know the the shirt billowing around him, and it's shot from her perspective, sitting down at the beach. So she's looking up into the sky, and the sun is kind of creating a halo effect behind him. Yep. Where you get that kind of ethereal, otherworldly characteristic, where she becomes the center of his universe. Or he becomes the center of her universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of him giving the speech at the camp again. It's that the words have weight and everyone is hanging on every word. Um, but there was other times where he just felt small, like he'd no longer commanded it. And I don't know if it was maybe just a take by take thing. Could have been. Or if they just shoot it a couple of different ways and put it together. You know what I mean? Um, and then through most of the beginning of him arriving at the El Royale and do, going through all of that, I would agree as he, especially as he starts to ratchet it up, Yep. And actually, I thought it was really cool, like, as they were arriving, him walking that line, the two of them coming out and getting grabbed up by his guys, all executed in silence, was actually really cool. Yeah. Um, and then... Super eerie. Tying them up and all of it kind of being a little slow motion, even, as they get tied up and dragged up. And, and the way he starts off that thing, yes, you're right. It's like, it was electric at that point, but there was just moments where it felt like the illusion broke up until the point where she forcefully breaks in its own purpose. And we get kind of these wild swings Yeah, as there's this push pull to figure out who's going to gain the upper hand. So I'm on board with all that because like you get it. It's like, that's the moment where 
it's undecided. The coin's been flipped, and we're going to find out what side it lands on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Earlier on, there was just there, I don't know. There was just moments where it just felt like it ran I, hot and cold for me. I, don't I know. think I can I can kind of get behind you on that one. I, the beach the beach sequence I was behind I, the there's something about like the daylight that takes away from the character a little bit because like you have this like this character that is dark and scary and creepy and he's meant for the shadows exactly so that i think that that setting alone could do some damage to the portrayal Hmm. i'm curious if that has anything to do with why you felt that way yeah i don't know i'm not sure um although i did think it made for interesting the whole his whole speech setting up to uh we're gonna have ourselves a tussle, you know what I mean? Yeah. This and that, and it's that quick switch from where these high-minded thinkers and we're throwing off these conventions of society and all this stuff, and it kind of felt hippie free love for a minute, and then it turns into some gritty, dirty, gladiatorial yeah. weird shit struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, That's creepy. And maybe it was just because of how creepy the relationship itself was, but I, I think I was also thrown some when they lean into um, the relationship between him and Rose in the El Royale, where the you know the whole thing, yep, nope, yep, she's mine, you know what I mean, like that whole thing. Um, are you mine? Yep, you're mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was creepy because like that's supposed to be like a young girl. It was just weird, and I guess it's supposed to be, but it just it made me uncomfortable. But so it, it's super important though because that ends up like that gives you the Darlene shutdown, which is it like it adds to that. I feel like even more. Yeah, I was just it was the age thing that was creeping me out. Yeah, well, you're just a disgusting, like minuscule nothing person. <laughs> that that's what she ends up like boiling him down to. Which is yeah, great. which that part was great, and I I mean we've talked about her a bit, but. Man, she, Cynthia Arriva, Arriva, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Yeah. Um, she was great in this. Absolutely. She owned and it. I, I don't think she's really got a lot in the way of acting credits. I think I had seen a couple weeks ago, I think actually she's done a lot of stage stuff. That's, I mean, that's why, mm. you know, the, 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 she's got the singing aspect. I think she's done Broadway stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking. She's got like an episode of something here, two episodes of something there. Um, She's also in that movie Widows I mentioned a couple weeks ago, which mm-hmm. isn't out yet. I did see a trailer for that, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah, that played. Are you are you as on board as you sounded when we were discussing it? Um, it looked okay. Okay, but I wasn't like blown away or anything. Okay, I was just wondering because yep. you seemed interested when I brought it up. Yeah, when you brought it, I, I think hearing about it was more interesting than the trailer, which it could be. I I could always chalk that up to it could have been the trailer. It could have just not been that great. The story, like the premise, sounds interesting. Yeah, no, I wasn't blown away by the trailer itself. I just yeah. thought it was a cool concept. I like the concept for sure. Okay, it's kind um, of yeah, it's it's interesting. Yes. So this was her first real feature role, and that uh, within the next few weeks as well will be. Kind of, we'll get a double dosing of her uh, right off the bat, and she's got like a few things in production or whatever. But yeah, no, nice. she's not really. This has been her first actual real role um, on screen. Oh, cool! Um, wow, what a way, finding, what a way to bring into though. Like that's that's right? awesome. Because she could have just been like you know, okay, we want to show off that she's a singer. She could have just been in any sort of musical 
type of role. And instead we build this movie around her and the music Yeah. and find some way to tie it all together into a bigger thing. That's, oh, she's not just singing. Like there's a reason. It's not just that she's a singer. It, it kind of marries into that whole idea of having this music as a through line throughout the course of the movie. Um, and also she can act like, yeah. <laughs> like she also has a couple of really big scenes like that one with Billy Lee, where she just completely strips his whole facade down to its core. When he tries to respond, and she just goes, "No, like I don't care." <laughs> That's what I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good because he's so used to getting his way and getting under people's skin that he it's like the uh, it's like that that you know that Dark Knight line like the. Uh, the, like this runaway train, like hitting this unstoppable, unstoppable force, like hitting this brick wall. Like she's like, you're not getting through me. Like I, I get, I know you. This isn't gonna work. Let's go on to the next step because this is boring me. <laughs> it's great too because you see his best attempt is when he like he tries to regain a model of control and get her to sing, and she sings, and like he thinks he's like got control back when he does the whole thing. I've heard better. Yeah. And he just comes off sounding smaller and more petulant than ever before. Yeah. He's from his interaction with her. It's all downhill for him from there. There's there. What I love about it. He doesn't get to recover even the littlest bit. No, no. Cause that's the thing is you think he's like, he thinks he's back in control. Mm -hmm. And for just a moment, that's the way it could have gone too. But even had it ended with him, in control of the situation he ends up killing them and walks away how he wants to mm-hmm. he's never the same again after that if no. that's how it goes because he knows that someone has revealed it and one of those people in the room one of those true believers that you know his biggest fear is that one of those people heard those words and it resonated yep absolutely that it didn't, all that he it didn't cares come about play, is what people think about him as this that it doesn't come into play in that scene but a week a month yep. a year from now is when it's going to come back to bite him. I also think that that sequence, along with other things going on, but like that's like that's the point that drives that thing home. That gives uh, uh, what Doc the courage to like and the strength like, to to get up and bash this guy's face in with his head. Like, yes. <laughs> like and like and like it's like oh oh we have the upper hand now, bitch. <laughs> like like, like we, might, we might all be tied to chairs right now, but we won. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really great. And I can't stress enough again how cool that scene was where she's singing and she just starts the the clap. Yes, and they time so it up good. with with uh, with Emily watching through the mirror, and it's one of those like things that like it butts up against again kind of contrivance because at what point could she have been walking in and she can't she can't know when she's there, right. and like they're doing this whole thing and it syncs up perfectly and it doesn't matter that it's too convenient because for a moment time stops. Yeah. Everything focuses on that sequence. The amount of times that you probably unintentionally hold your breath during this movie is just like uncountable. <laughs> and it's so great too because as it's going on, like she's sitting there with the shotgun. She's ready to go. She flicks on the thing she, to hear. And you see even her, whose resolve was steel the whole time, cracks a little bit. I don't forget. I don't if if it's that she taps the gun with her hand or she taps her foot, but she... She gives it into the cadence of the music. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which of those things she does, but I know that they finally give the just the, they betray the slightest mo- movement where she's keeping time with it, and it's like 
even she's cracked. Yeah. Also, like, let's like this girl's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she can sing. Which also kind of made it a joke when it's like he says, "I've heard better," or yep. the whole situation. No, with, you haven't. <laughs> the, the whole situation producer about like her not being good enough, and it's like maybe you need to reevaluate your ability to catch talent because right. she's damn good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, awesome! You got anything else? Uh, just one random side note about those being the weirdest, shortest cameos by Shea Wiggum and Jim O'Hare. Shea Wiggum? Shea Wiggum was the doctor who tells him that he's got dementia. Uh, who is that, though? The name's not ringing a bell. So it's funny that you said that because remember how I texted you the other day about that article on The Ringer for yeah. first, first Man about the top ten of those guys? Mm-hmm. He was one of them on that list. Um, and the last those guy that we would have remembered him from was oh that guy the, yep I just looked him up from Kong Skull Island <laughs> yeah that's really funny. the guy who uh, has the noble but ultimately irrelevant sacrifice at the end mm-hmm. of that movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah and he's been in a million other things too he was in American Hustle and a whole bunch of other shit too but more importantly Larry Gary Gergich Larry Gary Gary Gergich. Yeah. Larry Gary Jerry Gergich. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just having like three lines as announcing her runs. Like, what was he doing there? They didn't need to cast an actor who nope. was a real person for that scene. That's I kind of the same thing with Shay Wiggum. Like, like he's they a didn't good need actor. to cast an actor that was a real person. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need to cast Savage. someone who was someone in either of those roles. I was just very confused. No, it was it was kind of silly. Actually. Speaking of kind of cameos, like it's basically what um, Nick Offerman was in this too. He had a little bit more uh-huh. um, relevance to it all and a little bit more screen time. Um, I saw him in a role the other day that I didn't realize he was in, and I was truly shocked. And I actually had meant to include this with the "What are we watching?" And it's fine. Um, potential idea for a movie uh, for an episode in, in the future. Um, You've seen Sin City? Mm-hmm. You Are you like well familiar with it or is it like something you've seen once? I've seen it probably three or four times, but like when it was relevant. Yeah, so that movie came out, what was it, like 2006 or something like that? Yeah, it was a while back. Um, so in that time frame, it was called 2006, 2009, in that area. Uh, huge fan of that movie. Really, really loved that movie. Uh, and I still enjoy it. It's just been a very long time since I've seen it. Muppets. Out of it. <laughs> 2005 um, okay i was close yeah. um yeah in that whole time frame it was like four or five years after it came out like huge huge fan of the movie mm-hmm. and i saw it a bunch of times in that time it's a good i haven't play. seen it since um much mm-hmm. and it was on tv the other night it was when i was like i was like oh i got a little time before i'm gonna go to bed and, oh i'll watch that for five minutes i like that movie um and there's it's a huge cast and i'm familiar with all of it so Nick Offerman is one of the henchmen in one of the segments of that movie. And he looks like he's in like a biker gang type of like character. Okay. He has buzz cut bleach blonde hair and facial piercings. Nick Offerman. I feel like I can picture it. Can you? Because I, I, I think so. 
Because someone else popped up and was like, oh, is that? And I don't remember. And I looked him up and I saw Nick Offerman in the cast. I was like, man, I don't remember him being in this movie. And then like five minutes later, he showed up on yeah. the screen. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, I, I just pulled up a picture of it. It was Yep, that's pretty creepy. That's funny. I wouldn't. I would not have remembered that though without you bring like detailing it. I didn't either. The last time I saw that movie was well before I seen Parks and Rec. Yeah. I would have had like never been able to make that association. That's something we could do in a future episode. I yeah. have to sit down and watch that whole movie because I used to love that movie. It's been a while since I've seen more than like five or ten minutes of it. Yeah, I would definitely. I would definitely be down to rewatch that and go through it. It's it's a it's a good one. Solid flick. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. Thank you for joining us. If you have a topic for the show or a movie you want to hear us cover, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at spintune.com. We'll be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. Till then, I'm Anthony. He's Al. Cheers.